Hey gang, for those of you who enjoy QF, a podcast about Howard Stern, and would like to donate to us just via PayPal, you can using the email address johnnythegreek21 at gmail.com. You can check the link in the description for the spelling, and it's also here on the graphic. And if you'd like to do more in terms of uh, donations or subscriptions, you can use our Patreon account and subscribe via the black kluge level and you can receive our weekly content that we're putting only on patreon it's exclusive for that platform and um anything over five dollars is just gravy guys we love you thank you so much yeah anybody um any engineers want to pop on tell me why robin can't hear me i can hear you now can you hear me i don't even know if i'm on the air right now so howard you were you were not being heard by anybody I guess i'm not Hello? I can't. I don't know that he can hear you now. Can you hear me? I, I can hear you right now. Now you just froze. The Howard Stern Show. See, I had a weird, confusing early sexual fantasy, and I was always mystified by it. I was into the TV show Honey West. Yes. And Francis. She was hot. Blonde, big boobs, the whole deal. And my mom got me a book, a Honey West book. And I was reading about it, and in one little page in the book, Honey West was like bound and gagged by a group of dudes, and they were going to do weird crap to her. <laughs> so I remember laying in bed as a little kid, imagining that I was Honey West strapped down in the bed, really? spread eagle. Now that's weird. So I said, wait a second, I might be gay. Really? Why do why you want to be Honey why West? Why am I identifying with Honey West? I think that's you're just a masochist. Strange. I think that's the thing. You know, you want to be tied down. I wanted to be tied down. Yeah. Like, who get, like... I, uh, it dawned on me like two days ago. Who's it? Like my hair is going to get crazy because yeah. I don't have like a, I'm not going to get a haircut. And Beth goes, "I'll cut your hair," but you can't cut my hair because my my hair is curly. It's a you. It's you, hard to cut your hair. Would you do me a favor? Would you sure. pretend that I am Bahati? <laughs> Sitting here, I am, I'm going to be honest with you. It's hot in the garage. I'm wearing a bra top. I okay. My, and I only have panties on. I'm being honest. Can you go a little slower? Just talk about it. <laughs> Do you have underwear on under that rope? There ain't nothing gay about him. All right, like, the one main thing I was talking to these guys about yesterday, when we went to Las Vegas, it was three days of shows, porn stars, strippers, everything out there, right? Yeah. Howard starts off the show, his first observation is he saw KC down at the pool with his shirt off. Like, uh, his first uh, observation. Yeah, but what, what, you don't lie, Five hours later. And why are you known for it? You're getting a little bit of a belly. Oh, oh, look at talk. You know I like my girl shaved. <laughs> Maybe that was the guy in the back seat. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was at that time, Howard. It was another time. It was like he was just on the side, like he was in front of his house making out with the guy. Oh, they couldn't even get indoors. No, they were on the street. But wait, what is this about the book? He's caught. <laughs> I think Ralph really did this. Did you make out with a, ki- a guy? Oh, wow. What happened? No, I Are you high? No, this is... <laughs> I was I was gay way before I met Beth. <laughs> Hello, folks, and welcome to Colford Part Three on QF, a podcast about Howard Stern. I'm your host, Fillmore, aka Jim Fix, and with me once again is Ben and Sam. Are Ben and Sam rather? My bad, my poor grammar. How are you guys doing? Good. Good um, to see you guys again. 
Hi, I'm great. When we left off, guys, you, uh, I was going to say unit two. <laughs> I'm thinking like my textbook instead of my actual book. Um, we were finishing off talking about him in high, getting into high school, junior high. Uh, the last clip we played in in the part two was APB for missing butt because uh, his pants didn't fit. And there's going to be a couple of repetitive clips, but not exact same, just just similar. So this is one of them. And this is from... 2020, uh, November 3rd, last year. So he was doing a bit of <laughs> flashback. I don't know why we didn't clip this. I guess it's because we've heard a lot of this nonsense before, but it's great. I realized really quickly that yeah. things were going to go really poorly. Hey, my mom brought me to the school <laughs> and the guidance counselor told me immediately. She said, where, where are you matriculating from? I go, what? What do that mean? <laughs> and where? What school did you go to? I go. I went to Roosevelt. Oh, she goes. Oh, you'll you'll have a D average here. What was your grades in Roosevelt? And she looks and she goes. Oh, you were an A student. You'll be a D student here. <laughs> okay. Sam, where are they getting these counselors from? That would never happen. Where do dad? Howard's imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, is this is this him trying to play off just the fact that he's an idiot naturally? Uh, well, he's blaming Roosevelt, the yeah. AKA the all black school, which really right. wasn't all black. But right. um, he was not an A student at Roosevelt. No. He was in the slow class at Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. So the average black student was performing higher than Howard was at Roosevelt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. remember he sang. He, he read. Uh, uh, what was it called? Itsy Bitsy. Oh, Itsy, Itsy Bitsy. Yeah. yeah. So he was not an A student. No, God, no. Well, he. Who's the thing buying is, that? The thing is, in the early, the previous episode, I th I'm pretty sure we mentioned, but if not, we'll do it again, that they had uh, arranged for him to have tutors for certain subjects when he wasn't performing up to snuff. And math, definitely, he admitted, I wish I had the clip, guys. I'm sorry, but I know I do have it. I, could, I wish I could find it, but I know I, it's somewhere in my archives where he was kind of taken to task by his one lone black friend, Alan, when he bragged, oh, I got, you know, uh, a perfect score on the math region school, you know, and then Alan had to say, yeah, but you had a tutor. And he mm. said he was embarrassed by it. But and how expensive that would have been. So clearly he needed some remedial help as a youngster going into junior high and what have you. Uh, and again, there's no shame in that, guys. Obviously, these days, it's a big um, bone of contention. You know, you don't want to belittle kids. But I, I'm with you, Benjamin. This is just like uh, when Robin blamed her poor grades on the, her teacher's vendetta against her cousin who was older than her. <laughs> right. And you're supposed to take anything else she says seriously after she makes that claim. Well, she was right. I was a D student. She, she wasn't wrong, but it was just kind of defeating to hear that from the guidance counselor. Right. Yeah, that's not yeah. great guidance. And my mother was like, how dare she say my son's going to be a D student? I go, Mom, she turned out to be right. <laughs> she saw me and she saw losers stamped on my head. <laughs> just And as you're going to hear, guys, so did just about everybody else, especially the women. Sam? How much do you want to bet it went, well, this might be a little different than your old school. This might be a little more challenging for you. So just be prepared that you might have to work a little harder here if you want to achieve better grades. You might have to work a little bit harder. End of story. <laughs> I, 
I'd say I'd say it was more like that, if at all. But but they always do these kind of uh, what do you call them? Introduction. Whenever some they used to do it when I was younger as well. If you had to switch schools really young, uh, but it was just kind of a, okay, you're going to be fine here. We know you miss your friends, but you're going to make new friends. That kind of thing. When if it, when it was ele- elementary school, really young. But later on, <laughs> we 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 never got anything like that. You just moved. You get switch schools and sink or swim. You're going to be yeah, an especially... idiot, D. <laughs> yeah, especially if he's he's starting the school year the same time everybody else would be, which is, you know, the first day of sophomore year. Right. It's not like he came in, in the middle of the school year. Right. Um, but I was going to say that his his tutoring in high school didn't end in high school. It continues on through college. It continues to this day. Yes. Where if he needs if he has any interest whatsoever, he requires a tutor for that, be oh, yes. it watercoloring, calligraphy. Barbecuing, photography, um, photography. Um, His so, radio show. Work, work, working out. Yeah, I was going to say. So I was going to get to that. So how is it? He's a natural when it comes to radio, though. Right. That of of all the things that re- he requires a tutor tutor for, suddenly he's just um, materializes out of thin air a radio character, a radio act. Right. And to this point, he does explain that like, it's, it's kind of he, he kind of sinks his own narrative when he says uh, at one point he goes, well, you know, I knew I wanted to be in radio at five. But it's really odd because, you know, in high school, I never did anything remotely related to radio. You know, like, right. it, it, like <laughs> he just so. So what you said, what you're saying is you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah, the whole claim is is ridiculous. I mean, yeah. he wanted to be anything but radio star. Um, yeah. But, but the whole thing of. I wanted to be in the radio. What, then why don't you know anything about radio? Like you, you couldn't name DJs. You couldn't. Bingo. You didn't. Name, you weren't into music, really. Well, so what about radio? Did you like? Even like his painting hobby. I remember he had on. Mm, I forgot. I forgot which guest it was, but they were talking about painting, and the guy was a really good painter. Was and, it David Cho? Yes. And it was like he knew nothing about actual other artists or techniques. And it was like the guy was trying to have a really in-depth conversation about painting and Howard had, Howard had nothing. No, because he was, has no frame of reference. He's a surface-level bullshit. And once yeah. you go beyond that sort of nicey-nice conversation about I like painting, that's it. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unless he has notes handy, obviously that's going to be the case. Uh, There's only a few more seconds. Let's play this one out. She got it right off the bat. She looked me over. She saw this this bent over sloth who came from Roosevelt. And uh, she took a look at you and she said, look, you're a D student. Okay, so the next clip is called bombing at so-called. And this is a quote, guys, ugly girl parties. I don't even know what the fuck he's talking about. I, again, it's just a way of debasing women, I suppose. But I never heard of this. Everything was a humiliation. Humiliation. I go to ugly girl parties <laughs> just to meet women and, and they reject me. It was crazy. I said, how can this be? I'm a great guy. How come no one can see it? <laughs> I thought I was a great guy. I didn't know. Well, you probably were, but somehow you were hiding it. Got hiding it? It was locked in a trunk somewhere. <laughs> I am so traumatized. Oh. I, th- 
I think Raven deliberately did not clip this because she just thought this is just more bullshit anyway. But had I known, I would have kept it and, and chopped it up. I just chopped it up tonight because um, so many years later, so many revisions depending on the year of the story. Mm-hmm. So if you're it's it really is like a 12 sided die. It could be anything at any time, depending <laughs> on what he wants to tell you. Uh, ben? Yeah, I think I think the David Cho era is when he uh, dropped the bomb on us that he was nearly fired for banging so many of his coworkers because he was so successful. Yeah, just um, about. As a Casanova. Yeah. So I, I just remembered, and I know we're going to get to that, but the idea that this has ne- he's never made this claim before. We've always heard the, the guy who was a, uh, a loser with the ladies, even the yes. ugly ones, That's suddenly right. was nearly fired. Because he was so gifted. Ben, you're exactly right. He has ping pong back and forth throughout time of, I was so desirable. I was banging all these hot girls, models. Mm -hmm. I was fucking a model. Yep. I got that. I have that queued up. I I have to cue that up because uh, did you manage, by the way, um, I know, Sam, you listened to that clip I sent you, the 10 minute, 11 second one about Dr. Lou. Mm-hmm. And yes. that Ben, did you have a chance to hear it? Uh, sorry, I didn't get a chance to. OK, I, I think I'll, I'll save it for another time. I don't think it's a, it applies right now, but either way, maybe during break, I'll I'll promo it for you but it's fantastic um so we the next clip goes into the uh, actual book guys and if you're following along it would be around page uh, 22 and he was supposed to see he went into supposedly to see myra breckenridge and that was an infamous book by gore vidal uh about a film buff who's a guy named myron breckenridge and has a um supposedly has a like gender reassignment surgery and it's played in the movie by Raquel Welch who was no one there was no nobody hotter than her at the time and supposedly he took Ben to see this as well uh no no this was his high school buddies that he went with. okay okay so it's a different one either way he, he uh, then I've heard a variation of that or he took Ben to see something else that he went to, to, was, to Ben with Ben to see Barbarella Barbarella my mm-hmm. mistake okay my bad so either way <laughs> in the book it goes but, like this because it's not yeah. in the it's not in the story so I'll play the audio and then we'll we'll go into the book poker games occasionally unraveled into disgusted howls when Howard carefully held a match at his rear end and farted the light into a gaseous blast of flame. He sought racy movies in theaters in hopes of catching at least a glimpse of naked flesh. (laughs) Okay, so there's that. Uh, And then it goes into the book. And I'll read this, uh, the one smart, the small, small portion. One such outing um, in the early 1970s was to see Myra Breckenridge, which starred a bodacious Raquel Welch in novelist Gore Vidal's story about a transsexual. Although Myra failed to deliver a topless Raquel, as Howard had expected, he was so wound up that he emerged from the theater, ripped off his shirt and started bellowing, drawing the stares of all around him. Now, this movie, guys, features a scene where the character anally rapes with a strap on a guy. And yeah, my, yeah. Can I can I just read really quickly the Wikipedia? Because I so yeah. I highlighted this. Go ahead. I found it so revealing. What yes. teenage boy wants to go see a movie about a, tra- a transsexual? You just that's right. just not something. By the way, 
Howard and his friends were a small group of people who saw this. This was a box office bomb. It Massive. cost five million to make and made four million in the theater. And I, I watched in preparation for this. I think it was like six weeks ago or two months ago. I watched uh, Raquel Welch on Dick Cavett's show promoting this movie because it was a very, I mean, the very few people who saw it had very mixed reactions. Yeah. And Raquel says something about how she's only seen it with gay audiences. Like the mm -hmm. only people who are going to watch it are gay people. <laughs> and so I, I, I thought, found that revealing. But the fact that Howard goes to this movie, let me just tell you really quickly, you mentioned the anal, anal rape scene. So Myra Breckenridge was formerly Myron Breckenridge. Um, Myra becomes obsessed with a pair of young lovers named Rusty and Marianne, whom she believes embody all the traits of American gender norms. One night, on the pretext of arranging for him to undergo a physical exam, Myra ties Rusty to a table and anally rapes him with a strap-on. The assault causes Rusty to abandon Marianne. Myra uses the pair's breakup to move, move in on Marianne herself, encouraging her to experiment with bisexuality. Myra's pursuit of Rusty and Marianne is paralleled with the life. Okay, that's not that interesting. So then right. Buck continues his investigation, ultimately uncovering evidence that Myron did never died and that no death certificate because Myra was claiming to be the niece, I guess, of Myron. Mm. No death certificate. Confronted with the truth, Myra admits to the truth and strips naked before a horrified Buck. Buck's response indicates that Myra did not have her testes removed during the sex change. So this Raquel Welch character, I watched the scene. I had to go on an adult site to watch the scene. I didn't realize it. Was, you know. <laughs> no problem, Pete but Townsend. She, she's like in a courtroom and she kind of, I guess it is. She stands up and reveals, you know, in this like striptease type thing, what's underneath her dress. And the guys are all like going cross-eyed and stuff. They can't, it's, it's a campy movie. Yeah. So this movie that made Howard howl and rip his shirt off climaxes with Raquel Welch revealing that she still has a penis. <clears throat> this, 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 is, this should have been baffling to a teenage boy, not yeah. uh, uh, so turning not, – not, not, not an aphrodisiac. Right. So, it should have been, uh, be, been like Porky's or something. So yeah, all of Howard's friends must have been like – what did you drag us to, and why are you so turned on that you're ripping your shirt off? We just watched a man get raped by a, <laughs> by a biological man with a penis still, and the heartthrob in the movie, that the crush in the movie has, still has a penis attached. So anyway, this scene, I'll, I'll stop quickly here. I watched it, and I instantly thought of Howard as Dave, uh, on David Letterman's show as Miss America when he stands up on Dave's desk and slowly slinks his dress up to reveal just before they go to commercial, I guarantee you he was reenacting Myra, Myra Breckenridge right there. He might not then, even know wow. it. Wow. So when I was thinking about this, when I went through a phase when I was younger, my friends and I, we always used to go to the dollar bin at Blockbuster and just get the weirdest whatever movies they had. And it was always like shitty horror movies from the 70s, like Rosemary's Baby or whatever. So I could see sometimes dragging or just like watching random weird crap sometimes, but you're not really sure what you're getting into. But the reaction is still bizarre. And the fact that he sought it out is even more strange. For us, it was just like, we're broke. and It's cheap. 
it's, it's cheap, cheap we're broke and it kind of looks interesting you know it's kind of like i don't know well, just well, the, trying to be weird well the thing is that the book itself was very highly regarded in some circles gore vidal was a brilliant writer and if anybody wants to hear him what any is he is he puts from the rough there's a famous dick cavett uh show with him i can't remember the woman's name it's an older lady and uh norman mailer getting into it and apparently there was a scuffle before the show and uh, norman mailer headbutted gore vidal before they went out so it was a really contentious but <laughs> amazing appearance and um but but the the when the film was optioned to be made into a movie when the book was optioned to be made into a film it was considered a, a coup like a massive court god this is going to be because the early 70s was that the beginning of bonnie and clyde all the new filmmakers the the young filmmakers making their way so you know scorsese uh you know um uh, lucas all these people coppola melius coppola they were all going to get their their due and uh so but it ended up not being this way and it, it was a bomb as as benjamin already said so for him to go in and say like the, the fact that it's just barely give, it's given such short shrift in the colford book is only it, it only lends more credence to the idea that colford got it from some archive or some interview and didn't think anything more of it and, and didn't consider anything because he doesn't know what we know. That, no, or what we, no, what no. we presume anyway. Yeah, well, we don't presume that his TiVo is filled with transgender shows, which it is. <laughs> we know that because he says so. We know. There isn't. Yeah. I mean, we know that he says that the hottest actress in Hollywood right now is a biological male. Right. Um, the Hunter Schaefer character. Yes. So this this – when you when you look at this 1996 book with 2021 eyes, your mm -hmm. eyes should pop out when you realize that even at this young age, this was his interest. Mm -hmm. It's not like he just, uh, as he got older, became woke and suddenly said, "I'm really into the to, to these transgendered." This was this was a fetish for him, right? And, and, and this is also look at Miss America. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but that, right. This was um, – let's see. This would have come out just a year or so after Miss America, I guess. But I believe that that fetish started with seeing his father dress in drag. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, so. he, which Ben would do often. And they talk about it in the History of Howard Stern Show. And it's a picture of Ben in drag in Miss America. Um, I think young Howard seeing his father in drag uh, twerk, tweaked him uh, irreparably. Think about the 70s too. You could be going to see Rocky. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, Taxi Driver. There's so many other options for boys, especially that. Why would you pick this? Well, uh, I think there's a few obvious reasons, and and one of them might, might have to do with him getting his his junk fondled by a guy by a friend and asking to jerk each other off. Um, but uh, I <laughs> but mean, imagine that's these friends who are these friends who are duped in Howard saying, you know, Raquel Welch is naked in this, don't you? Yeah. So they're all going, oh really? Oh, well, let's yeah. check it out. And no, they're not. No, she's not. Just as if to give you guys a, to color the story a little bit more, we are going to use obviously as much of the Colford clips as we can. But because so much is missing, and we are that's our job to fill you guys in on the uh, the extra details. This is a clip of Howard, probably from I'd say ninety five ish, because Jackie's still there, obviously, and you hear from the audio quality about gay encounters as young men, and and this is this is what from the the you know the horse's mouth. Happens all the time. I know tons of guys who were coerced into homosexual activities when they were young. 
He knows tons of guys. Again, let's add this to the list of millions of friends he has. And I don't know. I don't know. uh, Aside from I I know from famous stories in my hometown of church, you know, molestation. But that came out well after the fact. But no, I never knew guys who were coerced into homosexual activities. Not one. I'm just uh, wincing from Howard's speech affect that he's doing here with his with his cool. I'm barely interested in my own radio show. Uh, detached way of speaking right now. Right. And Sam? It's the psychology of him when he does this. I know tons of, tons of people, tons of guys, yeah. tons of women, tons of gays, whatever. This Means is his me. way of normalizing this, that we we don't ask ourselves, do do we know tons of people like this? It almost makes it like, Everybody has this. Everybody knows this, but it's it's not. It's not normal. <laughs> yeah, I, I think of Howard as a groomer. He's constantly reassuring you that every man is gay. <laughs> He's it's got lollipops so in the van. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times, I know a guy is me. Like he goes, I, I that he's rather than say I, you know, I sucked off a priest. You know, I know a guy married a hooker. I mean, so this is again, and this is uh, some of the guys will include their own experiences, like Gary and Fred. But we're only going to concentrate on Howard's. Right I know, now. I know a guy who married a hooker. What? I'm saying I know tons of guys who that happened to. Not male, you know, not male female relations. Uh huh. But they were hom- they were homosexual, boy yeah. on boy. Yeah, but regular heterosexual. They were kids. coercing other boys. Yeah, I'm telling you, it happens. That happened in your childhood. It happened to me. Happened to me. Happened to me. Somebody coerced you. Well, they didn't coerce me, but they suggested a few things. I was naive. <laughs> Okay, let's let's let this play out a bit, guys. <laughs> you didn't know what I was doing. You didn't know what the connotations were. Well, no, the guy asked me to touch him. I might have done that. And that was it. I, then I realized something's wrong here. I knew what? this is. Some guy asked me to touch him, and I might have touched him. Apparently, no, you uh, might have touched him. I touched him. I touched him, but did I was like nine tell? years old. I was like seven years old. Did you tell anyone? No. Why not? I was like one year old. But why did you tell your parents at that time? For the same reason I don't tell Jackie's, and they're laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> Sam. So we go from nine to seven. Went from tons of guys to sounding like a really personal experience and a story that wouldn't happen to tons of people. No. I mean, think of that. Think of that pool of people went from tons of people to sounding like a really personalized story from a nine to a seven year old. Right. Wow. Sa- right. That's a head scratcher. Yeah, it sounded eventually like he could draw it from memory with a little piece, piece of coal and some, you know, onion paper. Uh, say, uh, ben, what, what he's doing there is he's he's reading the room. So he makes this he makes this um, shocking shock jock statement. Yeah. And he's reading the room. And as he loses confidence in the room, he's making it. More and more like, oh, I was I was out of my mind. I was I didn't even have a mind yet. I was too young to even know. <laughs> so he's he's um, he's lost all confidence. Um, yeah, because he doesn't want to be judged. Well, yeah, and it's funny. Why did he go that way to begin with? That's that's what I want to know. Is it that whole thing of the narcissist wanting to expose himself, but to get the attention and he'll say anything? Or is it just really like that's where he feels the most comfortable and he is the boss. So who's going to really go after him anyway, even if he does admit, yeah, I touched guys, you know, it's not a big deal. Yeah, I think he's expecting 
a chorus of yeah. oh yeah this happens to all of and the fact <laughs> he's met with silence makes him go golden uh hamana uh, you know all that stuff right because those ton those tons of guys aren't answering back because nobody has this experience no and i've I, and even when i was when he was still kind of popular and i've i played this clip for friends and they are or something they're similar to one to this where he just recounts the story only he's 11 and 13 he changes the year when it suits him as well but this is something yeah. that you would it would be so etched in your memory you would for, you wouldn't you'd remember the clothes you were fucking wearing that's how traumatizing it would be if you were a straight person and this happened to you first of all it doesn't make any sense if it would if you're straight even as a kid a young kid you know instinctively something feels wrong unless you're really young and in which case you obviously you're confused but seven and nine you know full well if you like girls or boys at that point well uh, he's also rounding down from the story he tells in private parts where he's 12 or 13 when he does this. Yeah. Right. Sam? And it doesn't feel wrong. That's the other thing. He's saying, I knew something felt wrong, but that's because he's reading the room. It feels exciting for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what? No, he didn't. Be... he didn't. He didn't. He tried to. I, I knew it was wrong by then. How long did you touch him for? Like, uh, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> we had a couple what? of cocktails. No, I, I would say it lasted about. Hey, Mark's back. It lasted about. <laughs> hey, Mark Harris is here. No, it lasted about a minute. Like, you know. You just touched it and took your hand. No, no. Like for a minute, he had me. Um, how do I ex explain this? I think you just did. No, no. <laughs> Gotta love Jackie. <laughs> yeah. Let me continue. You know, the, hold on. Uh, hold, hold on. As let's, much let's, let's play it out a little bit more. Sure. He did, like, like he didn't have me doing this, Robin. Uh huh. Look, he had me okay. going like this. Oh, so you had both hands. Yeah, both hands. It's like you're starting a fire. Yeah, really? yeah. Like, you ever see a guy start a fire with sticks? Only it was yeah. your hand. And then I go, wait a second, man. <laughs> this is way wrong. I this is the show. Wait a minute. And what's wrong. he doing while you're doing this? Smiling. Smiling, having a good time. He's leaning <laughs> with his head back. How old was he? Same age? Yeah, same age. Well, why did you do that? I just have to know. What was going through your mind? <laughs> Okay, uh, Sam. I mean, that's pretty skilled to double jerk off with both hands at nine <laughs> or whatever. Even, you know, that's pretty skilled. Yeah. For uh, that ben? age. I mean, go. Good job, Howard. You're fucking way advanced. I don't even think I got there. By that. <laughs> I mean, geez. Well, Fuck, ben? was he spitting on it? Uh, Fuck. Just to, just, to, just to confirm that he's panicking. He pops some food in his mouth at the end so that when he's asked a question, he starts chomping loudly into the microphone. That right. buys him time to come up with his next answer as he's yeah. drawing. Uh, how could I possibly answer? I have food in my mouth. You know, you know um, what this is? This is like those forensic uh, – it's like the FBI agents who analyze CCTV interview footage, like that, uh, that Canadian colonel uh, who uh, got busted cross-dressing and then murdering uh, some yeah. – female officers <laughs> like in their homes yeah, yeah. And, and basically they're telling you this is what's happening right now it's it's absolutely right he has and the laughter that that sort of in that muffled guffaw that he does is also the i'm busted laugh now i got to find a way to get out of this right and that, you know what i resent is that well i i hate it whenever he's on the hook and someone throws him a lifeline by making mm. a joke 
And then everything's derailed and he's right. off the hook and he's free to run around and go. And that happens all the time. Um, oh, yeah. But when he does his little joke, when he goes mm, 15 minutes, that allows him to say everything I've just told you was a joke. Right. And, and you know, I absolve himself of going, oh, me? No, no, no. I, every, I'm a joke maker. Everything I just said was a joke. Yeah. Wait, I thought the 15 minutes was honest. I was like, wow, no, 15 no. minutes. No, no, no. He, he, yeah, he's exaggerating for, well, know, he's exaggerating, he's exaggerating that part, but that doesn't mean the other stuff wasn't true. I mean, it, you, you can kind of hear yeah. the tells where, where he's actually being honest because, well, most of the time it's coming right out of his mouth. Maybe he's just bad at giving hand jobs. I'm certain he's, I'm sure he's, what was the one? Well, he cares about nothing but his own pleasure. So he has to be bad at, at just about everything. Yeah. One thing I will say though, is that his staff nowadays, they wouldn't, I don't think, sit there in silence and judge him. They would all jump, jump in and say, oh yeah. I mean, we were all, all of us were doing gay stuff when we were young. Right. I mean, he's sort of, he's sort of uh, guaranteed that by his handpicked staff, that they're all well, going to oh. be sharing stories of gay uh, childhood uh, adventures. Well, Ben, you won't have heard it because um, I know you've been massively busy anyway. But in the meantime, we did a recent breakdown in which he did the the ubiquitous sword fight discussion about how everybody's had sword fights as kids and how we were explaining the only sword fight. The expression of sword fight means too many guys in the bar versus the ratio of women. And um, it just, you know, it was nothing about taking your dick out and slapping another guy having the, what they called sword fights. We were all disgusted. Poor Bob. She Chicago Bob probably had to go into therapy after after hearing that show. And every almost everybody said the same thing. We're all guys. I've never heard of this. And it clearly was some no. it's something he wanted to do or has done. And it's just, you know, uh, like, uh, I, I, I don't know. He wants the narrative to be out there that it exists, this thing. Um, and so this is ugh. anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Let's let's play a little more. There was no cartoons on. I don't know. Oh, it was just like it was just... while you're doing it, you're you must be, you know, when you start to do it, are you thinking, I think this is wrong, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going like, hey, yeah, OK. You guy goes to me. Hey, man, just do this. Go like this. OK, I'm going to go. I'll do something to you afterwards. I'll do this to you. Where I go. And um, my parents house. Just he was over visiting. You just happen to have your clothes off. I didn't have my clothes. Look, I just pulled his pants down and said, "Hey, take." A we were looking at each other's private parts. That that's look, normal. That's that's at seven or eight, you, nine. You would never do that. Never. No. It, no. <laughs> yeah. So he's created this unbelievable story, right? Because he's too way too afraid to be honest about what really happened. And we, yeah. you know, we, you can piece together um from various interviews and it really does depend on the audience i mean oh, yes. when he gave when he told the story to camille paglia to um the to coming out the magazine? advocate magazine Ad the advocate, advocate yeah, magazine sorry my bad yeah so he gave he, he you know camille paglia is i think she's considered non-binary now at this point but yes. i think she was a lesbian then um but when he feels like he's uh, among like-minded individuals, he'll be a lot more free about it, about um, you know telling the truth, the, the the real details of the story. But now he obviously is being judged, so it's you know the, as young as you can make it, and it was just a goofy thing, and there were no cartoons on, which reminds me of the story his sister told about him getting aroused watching Yogi Bear um, as a kid and pointing out his erection to her. 
Uh, yes. Speaking of cartoons. Uh, one sec. Let's see if I can find that, Yogi. <laughs> I, I know I have that clip. That's on your SoundCloud, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Sam? it is. Okay. Yeah, I've got that. I've got, there you go. I've got By the, the way, clip as when well. we do this, I get so disturbed. It It is disturbing for a number of reasons, but um, not the least of which is because we can't relate. And it's not because well, I we... have a child. It's disturbing. <laughs> yeah. She's well, nine. Rest She's assured. Nine. So rest I assured, have a child. This was not happening at age nine. Yeah. Well, even so, like the way he's describing this in no shape, way or form, do I think this happens with my kid and I'm positive in no way, shape or form. Her friends are like, whoops, we looked at each other's privates and yeah. for like, ugh, no. <laughs> well, I, it's well part keep of, in it, mind, it, too. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's and it's, tons it, of people. So much of his show nowadays really is about giving himself spank bank material for later when he's by himself, or which is, you know, we know most of the time. And um, because now during COVID, especially he's, you know, he's limited by what he can do online and what have you. So at, at this time, though, I mean, he could have it any way he wanted it. But because he knew what kind of audience he was supposed to attract, this couldn't be pro forma. This had to be. Once in a while, he could do this. Later on, you have we have audio of him admitting to watching transsexual porn with Casey and Ralph together. Ralph, who's an admitted bisexual, yeah. <laughs> and Casey, who he's uh, gay for, and Will has that great later on clip saying, "You know, uh, there's my reasons for why you're gay, Howard." <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it really it would is never it would never make it to the air today. But no I was going to say that. Uh, so in Howard's mind, at seven, you and your buddies jerk each other off. And at 10, you're begging to sit in the lap of a 60-year-old man because you saw him on television. Because that's what he claims the age was of people who would jump into his lap because they saw him on AGT. They were 10 years old. Right. Um, Sam? It's also bizarre, too, when you think about the Millie Bobby Brown agent storyline. He's always talking about her, how it's going to – how it's going to be terrible for her when she gets into puberty and what is she going to do when she starts developing breasts and she has to maintain this young pubescent age, this prepubescent age. And it's so bizarre the way he talks about her prepubescent sexuality constantly. Yes. It's yes. very yeah. gross. And before well, her, it, it, you know, like agonizing over, oh, you know how hot the Olsen twins are the, when they're 13. This is like when they were 13 years old. And it it was he had to walk it back in the same clip. He goes, I'm not saying it to be a creep or anything. I'm just saying they're they're pieces of ass. And this got out there on the Internet. And I think I can't remember the name of the um, the journalist What's out there. Oh, yeah, I've got the audio. I, I could play it any time we want, but it's it's just that we'll save that for the uber creep episode for people to be huddled in the corner in the fetal position after they listen to it. Uh, ben? Yeah, he's learned probably from something like that. You can never make those comments anymore as Howard Stern. You have to make it as your character. So he's right. I'm I'm um, Marty Gold. It's not me <laughs> saying this. It's Agent Marty Gold. Yeah, we'll play a little bit more Ugh. of this clip and then we'll go into the other one. You know, like, yeah, guys always do that. You know, when they're like seven years old, mm-hmm. and he, and I go, and he goes, "Hey, look at this." You know, the guys are roused. He goes, "Hey, touch this." I, you know, I did, and uh, I realized about thirty seconds into it, this is really bad. This is really stupid. So you're doing your thing, and I wasn't aroused. I wasn't aroused or anything. Did it hurt? Were you looking at him? 
Was he? Yeah, I was. He was a good-looking guy. <laughs> I mean, you know, for seven. What? Yeah, he's real good-looking. As far as I know, he's not gay. Seven, what? nine. Who do you? Time, one minute, what? thirty seconds. When the story changes that much, <laughs> how do you even know what gay is when you're seven? Well, I mean, uh, I don't know. I've, 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 I've got friends that were gay, and they told me no, they knew it, really early on. I don't know, but I, if you're not sexual, I, do you know wait, that you like men more than women? Maybe, I, I presume so. I don't know. Do, do you think Howard's parents explained to him what gay is at the age of seven? I highly doubt it. No, of course not. I mean, Ray, but Ray did insist concept. on buying him these Playboy magazines that I, I think they, that they lay unopened. So now it's at seven. So at seven, he, well, they, knows, he knows what gay is. So he judged that he's not gay, a concept that he clearly wouldn't have any idea what that is at seven. So no, he's already said, oh, you're not gay, but it's fine to jerk you off. And I know what jerking off is at seven, double fisted. Like what? Can, can you remind me what he's what the pretense is for this story? What was the claim he made again at the very beginning? No cartoons um, were on. Uh, well, no, no, no. <laughs> that 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 um, it happens all the time. I know a ton of guys who were what, sexually what coerced, sexually coerced as young uh, to do gay stuff as young men. Yes. Okay. Like they were they, yeah, forced. Seven years like, old is not a young man. That's a child. But yeah, yeah. First, yeah, as, as kids. So and yeah. it was and it happened to me, happened to me, happened to me. And who's and, coercing him? Some guy, some random friend him. at seven yeah. had a hard on, which I find really strange because yes. I don't really yeah. know many seven year old boys that get aroused no. at play dates. I have clips through the years of him recounting the same story and the guys and he depending on the clip, he's seven, he's nine, he's eleven, he's thirteen. Yeah. How about he's all of those fucking years? And and, yeah. and especially fifteen, sixteen, thirty six, uh sixty seven. <laughs> You know, at se at seven years old, boys are more likely to have accidents in their pants because they're too lazy to go to the bathroom when they're playing outside. <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah, I would say that it depends on the clip, but it also it depends on the audience. Yeah, who is absolutely. in there with him? Does he feel safe to tell the truth? Oh yeah, she's kind of weird. You still know the guy? I know who he oh, is. They get together stuff. often. I don't. I don't really know him, but I know who he is. I don't think he's gay. Does he remember this? I wonder. I don't know. He, I'm not asking. He had you. I'm not Tom Arnold. He had a famous person. I'm not gonna like knock on the door and go, "Hey, man, <laughs> remember that little thing we had going?" Hey, and anybody? Hey, let me just preface something because we're on a lot of new markets. Yeah. I am a hundred percent all man. Let's say that a couple of times. Now let me tell oh. you, there's nobody on this planet that loves women. I see a guy's tuchus, I get sickened. Right. We all believe you. Uh, there's nobody on this planet that loves women. Yeah, I yeah. think he left off a part of that sentence. Just a little bit. <laughs> oh, Freudian slip much? Yeah. <laughs> right on your fucking face plan. Holy fuck. Yeah. Well, what are you doing looking at a guy's circus? Well, you're in the shower or something, you know, and a guy gets in with you. <laughs> no. Oh, I mean, you're at, a, you're at a public place in the circus. <laughs> hey, in those, in those homosexual magazines we have back in the office? You never see me browsing them. Why do you keep them? That's not me. That's Fred. <laughs> Fred, Fred. Oh, we need these for research when we do bits. There's nothing wrong with them. <laughs> I am not gay. I'll tell you that. I love women. You come over here, Robin. I'll prove it to you. <laughs> okay, so we're going to leave that one alone. There's not much more that we need from that. However, I would love to go into the Yogi Bear <laughs> Ranger. <laughs> Has anyone age 67 in their lifetime said, I'm not gay, more than Howard Stern has? Oh my lord! I mean, he has to oh. say that. Remind every you, you, remind everyone constantly that he yeah. is not gay. 
yeah, he's a raging, raging, I'm not flaming, heterosexual. Um, But yeah, Sam? I've said this many times in this podcast. I hate when people make declarative statements and act the exact opposite way. (laughs) It's so enraging. And there's nobody that does it more than Howard Stern. Um, what was the context of this uh, clip, though, Ben? Ellen calls in the show, but yeah, what, Ellen, this, was, this, was like this 80s... wasn't the premise. Where they were, well, the premise wasn't about him jerking. Yeah, off. I think uh, it was. It might have been. They we were they were complaining about how Howard never got to control the TV. Uh, you know, he oh, made yes. a bet with his sister. It might have been that story. What, that, wasn't that was it? A, no, it was a uh, Ellen making out with her boyfriend, wasn't it? Maybe that was uh, it. Yeah, I don't remember the context. Something, something, but you're right. It might have been the TV thing, but either way, let's let's play it and see what we can get out of it. When I was seven years old, you saw me naked? Of course. What? I used to see you naked all the time. What? At what point did you stop seeing me naked? Uh, maybe when you were about 12. Whoa! So you saw me naked when I was like 11? Sure. Now, Ellen has no reason to lie. Like, she's not, I, I, there's no. no way she was called in and this was coached because it's not nowadays. It's nowadays it would be, she'd have a 12 page script in front of her. But back then, they, they were not that uh, proficient. In Private Parts, the book, Howard admits to spying on his sister so that he could see her naked. Right. He used to watch her dance around naked. So right. this was Howard seeking it out to see his sister and being an exhibitionist when it comes to his sister. She wasn't seeking it out. Right. I see you all the time. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this on the air, but you would sit there and we were watching TV all alone. And all of a sudden you would... Wait a second. Hold it. Hold it. What did you do? Wait a second. You're saying I would sit and watch it and... And all of a sudden... I would get aroused? You would get an erection. (laughs) Okay, <laughs> this is getting creepier and creepier. Sorry, guys, but we do. We I've already clipped on the show. I've already on YouTube channel. It's not for kids anyway. But don't just take them out of the room. Take them out of the house and then burn the audio. <laughs> Seven. And you would see Aaron look, look, and you were so astonished at this. You didn't understand what was happening. I didn't. I said that to you. Yeah, oh you God. couldn't believe it. I mean, you I would, still can't believe you it. Look at it. And you would. Okay, so he didn't understand what was happening at 11. So that means the story about the kid getting hard didn't happen at 7. Right. Because he would have understood what was happening to him because he saw it before mm-hmm. at 7. Yeah. So then the story about the kid getting hard must have happened after this yogi story at age Whatever the TV, Seven. yeah, young, yeah, really young, yeah. Oh, yeah. For 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 uh, for, I'm hundred percent sure this all happened when he was, you know, double digits. He was ten, eleven, twelve, whatever. Like you know, when kids start getting into sexuality, so that, which will, you know, grade old, grade so that's six, grade what seven. I'm saying. The whole seven year old story. Yeah. It's bullshit. Oh, it's bullshit. Yeah, of course. But I mean, he is a 79. That's the only numerology we'll go by. That's what we, we think is 100 percent. Well, like, he's he's a liar on top of that. That, too. Yeah. yeah. Smile. And you look like you. You were so happy. <laughs> 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 and, and you just, I have this big smile on my face. Yeah, you had a real big smile on your face. I used to do that. All the time. And he stopped doing and it at you 12? Were your cartoon shows. I was just watching cartoons? <laughs> yeah. What oh, no. cartoons? Flintstones. I always thought Wilma was a oh, fox. And there was that other one, remember? Yogi Bear? 
Yeah, Yogi. Oh, you used to get it. <laughs> I mean, I used to get an. Can you pause that for a second? <laughs> I have to. So he immediately tries to change the story. Oh, it was Wilma. A guy the story. It was Wilma, wasn't it? I thought she was so hot. And she goes, no, it was the other one. He immediately goes, Yogi Bear. He knows it was a boy mm-hmm. he was looking at, not Wilma. <laughs> he was busy shoving Dino the dinosaur bear. Flintstone vitamins up his ass. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. But it's it a, was a bear. But then the ranger in... comes in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I... this is so fucking uh-huh. demented. When you were real young, oh. I wasn't aroused. It was just. Or was it the ranger? <laughs> it was that ranger. Ranger Smith. Ranger Smith. Such a beautiful sister. That's why. <laughs> Yo, and you walked in the room. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But you knew what it was. You just didn't say anything. Yeah, I just said uh, yeah. I I didn't understand it completely myself. So I guess I. And could've... she was twenty-three. <laughs> Honey, neither do we. Neither do we. Mm. But we're starting to. Yeah, and we think other people are too, en masse. I mean, and again, once again, guys, a lot of uh, over the over the years that we've had the podcast, now it's approaching two years, I should say. It's not years yet, plural. But a lot of guys are going, well, what are you focusing on the gay thing? We would not, if he came out tomorrow, I'd have to delete all these fucking photoshops of mine. It's a lot of work down the drain and we wouldn't go after him for it because he'd be at least honest about it, but he hasn't been. And on top of that, he's been out. He was outing people, how the Rosie O'Donnell stuff for years Ellen and then Tom DeGeneres. Cruise, carefully Tom Cruise, Ellen DeGeneres was the, one of the biggest. We did a rescinding on that. Will Smith. So, Will Jamie Smith, Fox. Jamie Foxx. Fox, yeah. Fuck's sake. Yeah. And maybe even Richard Gere, if we look hard enough, um, there's some gerbil stories somewhere in there. But either way, yeah. if if he had if that's the only reason I'm going after him for that, that, that aspect. Otherwise, we wouldn't give a shit about his sexuality. Actually, or- most of his enemies at some point, he would make assumptions or he would kind of imply that they were gay somehow. Right. That it was would be either- the insult. They're gay or they don't have real hair, like David Lee Roth. You call him David Weave Roth or, you know, whoever mm-hmm. else, like Charles Grodin, especially. That was a yeah. huge, huge, especially and, and ironic. That's that's that would be the next kind of rescinding if people cared enough about Grodin. Rest in peace. Um, let's play a little moving. more. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're kidding. Oh, so you didn't understand it either. No. So what'd you do? Just laugh and stuff? I, I think I just ignored the whole thing. You know, I just accepted it. That's been pretty much the way it's gone. <laughs> accepted it. That's a that's a key word. That's it. That's that's not just that's not just chosen willy nilly. My whole life. But I mean, were was, so were her friends story. around? Ever? Were your friends ever around when this happened? No, it was just you and me. Wow. Mom and dad were never around. Oh, that's pretty sick. Uh-oh. Yeah, Howard. <laughs> Hope you didn't tell my parents. Yeah. Unless you just did. Did you tell mom and dad? Oh, are you kidding? I never tell, told them anything. Well, they'll know now. <laughs> I hope I'm not. I hope I don't get punished for this. <laughs> I can't believe what a pervert I was. Really? It's not being a pervert. It's being a fucking. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead, Sam. I really wonder if he did get some sort of early intervention therapy or something that was actual therapy, not some you know Freudian crap that he does now or whatever the fuck kind of therapy he does now that is useless and unhelpful psychoanalysis i wonder if he actually had cognitive behavioral therapy that you know reflected a mirror back onto him and made him it's cognitively aware like would would this have Inter- would this have helped him, I wonder, or intervened at some point if they got to him in his youth? I don't know. It's just a thought. I don't, 
I don't know what gay conversion therapy was like. I don't know when, don't, it, when it really started. Or I'm not know. saying gay conversion. I'm saying not converting him. I'm saying make him accept it. Oh no! I, I I thought you meant like he, he was like was there no. was there an attempt to make him just make him straight basically? I, I think maybe oh, his I think parents there was. were trying I, to convert not, not, him. That's what I. Figured. I don't think there was a, an attempt in the form of therapy because his parents, his mother, is sure. suspicious of therapy as she should oh, be. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's um, but I think them throwing around the word fagula around the house and getting their son this subscription to Playboy magazine and talking about how there's nothing wrong with a naked woman and you know all with the naked woman is beautiful and all that kind of the bodies are beautiful. Yeah, I I think that. Um, you know, I, I think that they had, you know, Howard's cousin was gay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I suspect his uncle Jack was gay. Um, so I think that it was if you think that it's uh, genetic, well, there's reason to believe that it could impact Howard because in his immediate family, you in his surrounding family, you can point to a few people who are gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that they would have made efforts. Look. If it's possible to keep him on the straight and narrow, let's do that. Right. Yeah. Well, no pun intended. What the the thing is, if as as open as and as accepting of his cousin Stacy, who passed away, uh, who, who's gay, and the business went under, and it was you know it was shown later Howard yeah, catering didn't, business clearly didn't yeah didn't let lend a finger to uh, didn't lift a finger to help uh, his the the GoFundMe that they did that was in a losing cause anyway. Um, that his mother was very supportive of his cousin Stacy, who was gay. But I don't know that Ray would have been nearly as supportive if Howard was, if they knew he was gay. And hence the desire to push him to get married to Allison ASAP, start your family, yes. you know, and and which was so normal back in those days with with gay guys who could not come out of the closet, get married, be Tony Perkins, have a couple kids. Oh, if you're married and with children, and he, how many you, you can't be gay? And how many times in the more recent history has he said, "I can't be gay. I'm married." Yeah. Oh, he's even yeah. said that he would not have been married if his mother hadn't made him get married. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, we've got that the clip of him talking to himself on the uh, on the on the phone uh, on the you know on the there's a bullshit call and Robin says just flat out says, "Are you gay?" And he goes, well, "Who are you talking to?" Is that the man on the phone who's asking the question of ask, asking the other person to put their cock on the on the you know let mm. it hit the phone? And he goes, "Oh no, mm-hmm. I'm not gay." I'm married. You know, well, what are you talking about? You know, it, it was it was unscripted reality. And I, he was thrown because he didn't know where the fuck it came from. Yeah, yeah. he was completely yeah. jolted. But I'm yeah. saying if if he was if he had parents who were understanding or who put him in therapy to make him realize it is OK. Oh, I to, see. To. Yeah. yeah. Would it, would he have. I, I feel like maybe he would still be, you know, a narcissist, but maybe his whole personality would be different. I, w- I wonder, like, in an alternate reality, what that would be like. It would be interesting to yeah, see. To, there's, you know, for just real proof that Howard is gay, uh, pansexual, you need only look at the fact that he cares about gay people and cares about um, uh, uh, condemning anyone who doesn't celebrate homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Howard is a very selfish person with with interests that only relate to him. That's right. So, you know, uh, you know, in the past, whenever he would be he was an expert on spotting hair pieces, um, <laughs> an expert on spotting an expert on spotting Jews, even if they had changed their names. 
right. an expert on outing gay people. So, uh, you know, there are there are very few things that he could be an expert on. And why would he be an expert on um, why would he be so interested in um, trans and in gay and in what and in, in, in all sorts of non hetero yeah. sexualities if it wasn't him? He doesn't yeah. care about anyone unless it's him. So um, that's really to 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 find the interest of such a narcissist. He's never been selfless about anything. Why would he be selfless about this? Well, just think about, for example, in the summit, right? And we go back to the summit for a lot of things, but especially one of this with this aspect. In the beginning, he goes, "I, I want to get Lana Wachowski of the Matrix, you know, who was, you know, Larry Wachowski originally." There's at that point in her career. She's like gotten more money than she'll ever spend because of the Matrix alone. But they've released bomb after bomb after bomb. They're not really mm -hmm. in the in the zeitgeist, except for the fact that they recently both brothers went trans, and then I, I don't know if they went full full gender reassignment surgery. I can't remember. But he said the woman was fascinating in this interview. There's nothing. I don't know how fascinating uh, Lana Wachowski was, but she certainly wasn't an A-list guest at that point for any reason. He just basically, because she no. had done tra become trans, he was interested in having her on the show for some reason. Why? I don't understand. There's no reason except that's the, what the boss wants. And yeah, it harkens, it, it harkens right back to the Myra Breckenridge. You yes. could tie the line right back to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, He's been obsessed about it his entire life. And again, I think he'd just be a lot happier if he just fucking came out and, you know, did whatever he wanted to do. These days, who would give a shit except because he's got no fans left. He's, he's alienated yeah. them. And the only thing I, and I know I think you're, you're going to say, Ben, that basically the um, he would be maybe sexually she would charge with sexual. Um, what's the word? Um you know, basically and, and everything else. But yeah, basically. because he's because of what he's gotten away with under the yeah. guise of but I'm not gay. So this is right. turning me on now. Spread open your asshole more, Sal, so I can get a good look inside it. That, yeah, Richard, that, that's that's the <laughs> way he's Sal. conducted his career. Yeah. It's fine. It's a joke because I'm straight, 100 percent straight. Right. But uh, what, what I was going to say is um, I don't want him to be happy. So I don't want him to enjoy uh, <laughs> the I'm, life yeah. of. Uh, you know, sauce on side every day of the week. I, I mean, I want him to be the, you know, denying himself all pleasures because, yeah. uh, you know, I've made the comparison many times before of his sexual appetites to his to his food appetites and how just because he denies himself everything tasty doesn't yeah. mean he would love to wrap his lips around it. That's right. I yeah, I want him to be filming his beard wife on the floor with cats fucking miserable. Well, yeah, I'm listen, I'm with you guys. I'm just saying like, you know, like if he if he had to think about it for a minute, uh he might actually just decide no one would give a shit at this point. The next clip is called Camp Oh, sorry. Uh let's see if I got this right. It's a little out of order. Howard the scourge of well-met vaginas. An opportunity for meeting girls and a broadening experience all around was summer camp in the Catskills. Before and after moving to Rockville Center, Howard went for part of the two-month school vacation to camp Well Met. The sprawling facility was one of three upstate sites affiliated with the Metropolitan Jewish Welfare Board. But the nonprofit camp operated independently to serve middle-class and low-income Jewish youngsters from the New York City area. 
600 or even more would occupy rustic cabins and pitch tent sites at Well Met. They were supervised in an unpretentious, nature-intensive program by counselors who were studying to be social workers, educators, and psychologists. Although Well Met emphasized hiking, swimming, softball, crafts, and other organized activities, the camp also unwittingly allowed by now horny Howard to steal away from the group and seek his first sexual adventures with girls who would have him. It was easier to be daring in the Catskills. Okay, so for those of you following along, it's page 23, and at the beginning of the uh, page, most of it is is truncated, but it says here uh, from Scott Possessor, who was the famous guy who coined the, uh, we called him gunky thing. Uh, he says, I bet $5 that nobody in my high school had sex with Howard before we all went to college. <laughs> I mean, nobody Yeah, female. that's why he's he would make the claim... You know, in school, I was a loser, but then I would right. go to camp and they didn't know I was a loser. Right. So they thought I was desirable and so on. That's okay. So the, the, the I was smirking at the um, description of Camp Wellmet as being uh, Jews in the New York City area or the New York because he just recently told a story that is jaw dropping of uh, him and some fellow he and some fellow camp, camp campers including some black kids who uh all piled together and drove to the wayne county fair where they watched a live sex show um this was jaw drop even richard christie was kind of just going i know you know i'm a, I'm a yes and guy but i'm going what richard christie going, i've never heard of a state fair or a county fair having a live sex show and so the the funny thing about this is Howard goes, yeah, the black kids who I was with, I remember they were from Dade County. They always said that my, my wife is from that area. You don't say Dade County. You say Miami, first of all. But why would black kids from Miami go up to the Catskills in New York to go to a Jewish summer camp? And then further, why would they drive three hours to some little state fair in Wayne County? And lastly, why would they have a sex show at a – not a state fair, a county fair? Yeah. What the hell? Can we like – can is there any um, background information on that? Like is there any way to Google that? I mean, you know, like Erie County Fair, which is a huge fair around here, they have – you know, you pay a quarter and you see like the world's smallest horse or the world's smallest woman. And it's – really sad and i did it once and it's just this like little midget in a chair and it's <laughs> that's, really that's sad i don't like it and it was terrible yeah. and it, then you feel terrible and i like gave five dollars in the box sitting next to her it just is like i don't even know why i did this it's just Penance. your curiosity yeah, I, 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 your curiosity <laughs> it, gets the best of you you're like okay i want to see the world's smallest woman right <laughs> you yeah. know well like, it was whatever. uh it, it but, was but obviously you don't a, have a wait. sex show yeah, it was obviously a waste of a Google search, but I did type in Wayne okay. County Fair sex show, 1970. <laughs> I tried all the nothing turns. And Google's like, are you serious? Um, there, there's no such thing. But no. you know, Howard saved the day by turning it into a story about racism and sort of right. was off the hook and just let it go. 
part of part of the uh, narrative that's not mentioned in that in that clip that I played. It's at the bottom of page twenty three. It says, um, um, "Because of what one board member described as well met's a class, classical liberal point of view, the fees that parents paid to give their youngsters a six week stay in the in the in the country were tapped by the camp to provide camp scholarships for any inner city youths from New York who integrated the outdoor experience. Um, so basically, they got government cheese, peanut butter, bread, etc. And that was you know it was a very rust they when they say rustic they're not talking they're not joking it was very according to the camp well met forums which are now no longer accessible i'm sure they just ex- the page expired you might be able to find some old pictures online um that everything was kind of ramshackle but it didn't matter because it was really just about getting the kids together and being outdoors and in those days you know so there there were no standards so who gave a shit and it was about com- just communing uh, commiserating with other kids so they i'm sure they didn't mind one bit and he certainly didn't because he he talks of you know the camp experience is his best experience in life and benjamin i i know ages ago he say well even though the book Elliot Gould will say it was easier for him to be daring in the cat skills it was also easier for him to be a finook in the cat skills like yeah, he could be gay I, at I, camp and no one would know yeah, I mean, I, I, um, he, I, he recently said, and I'm by recently, I mean within the last couple of years, yeah, that the happiest time of his life was at Camp Wellmet, <laughs> not and the birth of his children. I, yeah, I for one am glad that he didn't just lie and say, well, obviously the birth of my first child, second child, third child, I didn't even bother to go to the hospital, but you know, <laughs> I, I'm glad that he didn't lie. I'm glad that he was honest and said. Yeah. And, you know, it's really – it is revealing because I – you know, I, I liken that time to – here. these are the Lost Boys. They, and he is Peter Pansexual among the Lost Boys. <laughs> there are no grown-ups, death to all grown-ups. And it's just us, you know, and, and we're, we're um, making wooden swords and having fun, having sword fights in every imaginable way. Yep. And mm-hmm. I, I think of that as the time where he – you know, he loves that he's not near his parents, the judge – mental eyes of his parents. But, um, you know, you're going to play clips, I assume, of some other people's memories of Camp Wellmet. And it, Big time. Maybe we should get into that, too. But I, I find it fascinating that this is the happiest time of his life. And, you know, he said it in matter-of-fact terms before, too, that because he was among his own kind, meaning only Jewish people, he's made that uh, revelation before. Oh, yeah. And, um, so he's among only Jewish people, and when he says among his own kind, he might even mean more specifically than Jewish people. He might mean boys who are a little bit curious, yeah, by curious, right? Mm. Sam, um, also on this page, there's this one statement that I wanted to read. They said, um, uh, Colford said. The boys fantasized about the desirable girls in their class because they were not the most popular guys among the opposite sex. However, it was easier for them to ridicule the girls in the resentful, though defensive belief that the beauties did not know what they were missing. And I said, so this defense tactic of the girl bashing went into hyperdrive when he became famous. So I think this like him not getting the beautiful girls back then when he became famous, that just even went more critical because he didn't get the beautiful girls when he was famous either. 
Nobody was really interested no. in Howard back then either. Remember when he was like, don't, you know, he would always look for approval of yeah. movie stars. And remember the f- infamous Jamie Presley slapped with a yarmulke thing and that he would forever be scarred from that insult. It was mm-hmm. wonderful. Well, yeah, I mean, because it's it's a, a, a girl who was considered one of the really hot chicks back at the back one at the time, like one of the it girls back in the day and saying something that's, you know, at least at the very least mildly anti-Semitic. And he who he's but he's a self-loathing Jew who really shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't bother him if he doesn't really care about his own. But it's her. It doesn't matter. He, she's he's being insulted on his own show by someone yeah. who would have laughed at him. If he was really trying to get women back in the day and every instance that happens, the other the other time is the El McPherson where um, he said, uh, oh, I, you know, I saw my mother nude once and it traumatized me. And she said, yeah, I can imagine if she looked like you, <laughs> 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 which is you couldn't hit him harder over the head with a baseball bat and have that hurt anymore. And so some of the clips I'm going to uh, uh, play involve the the that aspect of the fact that he was now away from integrated um roosevelt going to camp because the camp spans keep in mind guys he didn't just go to camp when he was 10 and 11 and 12 he went as a counselor later on when he was in his in, in for like probably 10 20. years he was going to camp right yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. way too you know, way too old to still yeah. be hanging on to it right he's oh, like yeah. earnest <laughs> so, next clip is called Camp Well Met, Wig is Alright with All White. Oh, yes. Once he went, he never left. <laughs> it was every summer, and all I had to do when he was doing poorly in school say, Howard, no camp this summer. When it came to Well Met, Well Met was number one on the hit parade. I mean, he just loved going to Well Met. Ken Free. He never talked about Roosevelt. You know, when I listened to him, that was really the only time I ever learned about that. But Okay, I'm going to let it play out. Um, it's pretty funny. How we be? I didn't realize how tough growing up in Roosevelt was for him until he got the radio gig and I started hearing it. Now, we were all, like, young and innocent. I mean, you went to Camp Walmart, your background was just shut out. Every, it's almost like everyone was on the same playing field and everyone was having fun. No one brought their baggage. Uh, if you did, you know, you would, all you wanted to do is have fun. No, he didn't talk about Roosevelt. A lot of the people there are white. In fact, all of them were white. And uh, we've we've just got it. We just written have it uh, quoted in the book as saying that there were some inner city kids that also went along. So either tuned them out, didn't see them, or you know <laughs> refused to acknowledge that it wasn't all white because he's a fucking liar. Sam, it's just so funny too because in the David Letterman interview, he was you know upset that of white flight. Yeah, he was mad about you know these. Phony liberals, he called them. Yeah. Right. That Yeah, that really upset him. But then Mm. here he is going to this all-white Jewish, you know, sexually curious camp. Well, That is is the happiest time in his life when he's amongst his own kind. But yet, yet he's raging against when people integrate or whatever. Um, Well, yeah, I know what you you mean. And this is will... We'll play the clip out, but I have to preface this. This clip actually dates, even though it's in, I got it from the history of Howard Stern, I have the full clip from the actual audio of the time, which would have been 2003-ish, and already still audible in the clip. And this is what he has to say. That was unusual to me. I like that, I guess. 
that's one way to fit in. I think you're, yeah, you're like a segregationist. <laughs> well, for six weeks out of the year, I didn't have to deal with being called a stupid honky and worse. And get my ass kicked. But I'm just saying, you always seem to feel better in a segregated population. Yeah, people who are more like me. <laughs> okay, so you guys take from that what you will. Ben? Yeah. I was just going to say, um, you know, I, I I don't know that Howard considers himself white, always. Mm -hmm. when He considers himself Jewish. And when he's saying white flight, he does, he's not talking about Jewish people. He's blaming the Italians who were there or whomever. Right. But or I Polish think he makes whatever, distinctions yeah. in his mind of when he's going to claim to be white and when he's going to say, you know, whitey. <laughs> when he talks about whitey, I don't think he's right. talking about Jewish people. I think he's no. talking about, you know, uh, Catholics, Christians and so on. Well, it's, I know. It's, and then it's he even so, adds Puerto Ricans in the Letterman interview, which I never yeah. heard before. <laughs> never, right. never. In all the lies over the years, I'm not, absolutely not. not. Um, this one is, I can't remember where it's exactly from, but this one's called Kenny and Howard Enjoying Male Ass. There's a guy I went to summer camp on the phone. Now they're all calling in. Ah, every, this is like a reunion. Now, hi, Kenny. Howie. Yeah, well, Howard. Howard, sorry. Howie. Howie. He's grown up. I'm okay. 37, okay? <laughs> well, I'm a little okay. older at this point. <laughs> I love, I love the, the lack of modulation that he couldn't quite get until uh, much later. It's amazing. Yeah, no offense. I, wasn't, I didn't want to have sex with you. <laughs> no, but. This guy was great. The big story on him was one time he was bent over in the shower. Mm -hmm. So me and my friend Dr. Luth, who, uh, what they call a schlager ball in his ass. <laughs> With a rolled up piece of toilet paper oh. and a um, and shaving cream, <laughs> and he was just fun. screaming, "My ass burns! My ass oh, burns!" We, we used to have a lot of fun, didn't we? We sure did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you remember this guy? <laughs> oh, I, I know Kenny. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, the next clip is called "Howard Was One of the Girls." I know he talks a lot about the fact that he couldn't get any girls. And this is Dr. Lou, by the way. Yeah, they rejected him. For the most part, that was true. But in Unified, he did have uh, one girlfriend. His name, her name, sorry, her name was Irene. And she was actually very pretty. And I couldn't believe how he would get her. <laughs> but uh, he did. And... Um, they went out for a while. Yeah, he, he had this girlfriend, Irene, when, when he was like 13. Okay, I'm going to let that one play out, guys. So I don't, I don't think it was more than just a, a budding friendship, but uh, she was a very pretty girl at the time. And, um, yeah, they struck up a friendship. It was all pretty innocent. I don't know how far he ever got with her and how far kids used to get. They get a lot further now at that age than then. I mean, you were happy to, to get the second base then, but um, they had a good relationship there for a while, but I wasn't really aware of anything that really went on. I mean, if there, if he had gotten laid, he would have fucking wore. He would have burnt, uh, you know, lit up a burning flag and shouted to the rooftops. Uh, Sam, I know you're <laughs> you're loving that. It it just seems to me like he found, you know, I Irene found his her gay BFF. Right. For I mean, the that, well, I, yeah, I don't know about even Chris Wilding has had sex with a woman. Well, the, I, 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 know, I do know a lot of women who always seem to have a gay friend and, yeah. I'm not, and not lesbians. They're always, always male gay friends and they love hanging out with them because it, it really is like one of the girls they've all said. And 
you know, like they could, they have the same interests, whatever bullshit, but I'm certain, yeah. I'm certain they all f- probably figured out, oh, this guy is, uh, this guy's, you know, he's putting for the, for the same team. So he's probably having a fucking rough go of it. So let's befriend him. Let's make, you know, let's just treat him like, um, one of the girls just to make him feel more at ease and hence why he loved going because if he could be so free and no one really cared and he could reinvent himself easily um even if they had the, the same background all these kids they were all jewish kids from new york or from different parts of new york they didn't if they didn't know him from long island then he could make any story and they'll believe it yeah and it, the whole the whole breakup of these two is Always strikes me as weird because yeah. So here's Howard with his first girlfriend. He's very excited to have a girlfriend, right? And he says that he breaks up with her because his buddy says, uh, "You don't want to be tied down. You should play the field." Right. So he thinks about it. And goes, "Yeah, I'll just break up with her." That seems that doesn't seem like the decision that a kid who has fine who's allegedly always wanted a girlfriend and finally gets one would make. Well, maybe Lou was his relationship tutor. <laughs> he does need I think one. Lou, <laughs> I think Lou was the uh, the owner of the penis Howard was trying to set on fire with his hands a little earlier. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but uh, at any rate, we'll play this one out a little bit more. Right. His first girlfriend was in camp, yes. Irene, that's who I remember. Sweet little girl. She came to the bar mitzvah. That was the first girlfriend. Bar, so he was 13 with her. 13. That's one of bar mitzvah is for for mm-hmm. little kid, for for you know Jewish teens. But I think she I don't I'm not sure, but I think she lived either in Queens or in Brooklyn. So the, you know it was the it was a short lived kind of thing because it went on for the summer and then she was not around. But Howard always respected girls, and if the boys in the carpool would talk. Okay, I'll just a few minutes, a few seconds more, guys. Look against girls, Howard would defend them, and uh, he was not shy around girls. In fact, this, of course, is jumping to college. His friend Elise said to me, "You know, he's one of the girls," <laughs> and I thought that that's the biggest compliment because I like a guy that's uh, one of the girls. <laughs> comfortable with women. Oh, that. That is just stepping right in it. Uh, isn't Holy it? moly. I mean, I mean, you guys had to hear that the same way I did when I clipped it. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, I had um, my gay best friend over yesterday. We were watching the Britney Spears documentary. Rick would rather light his head on fire. That's <laughs> not something he would do. Yeah. That's, you know, it's one of the girls. Exactly. Yeah. He's and, I mean, one of the girls. He is one of the girls. Yeah, they, they, they. I, I think they could smell it on him. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next clip is from the show, and it says it's Karen from Well Met thought he was a fag, and Wiggy not helping the counter argument f- much. So what happened? You're all nervous. You don't want to talk. That's right. I'm much cooler than your husband, though. You got to admit that. Let's see. I'm a lot hipper. Right. Hey, who do you think's better looking, her husband or me? I didn't get to see him. Do you mind standing Robin, up and looking in there? Robin. Look right in there. Hi, Robin. Hi there. How are you? Okay. You're better looking. Thanks. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> Even like, if you I've got to sit here every day. Yeah. <laughs> She's got to work with me. Karen wouldn't have looked at me, right? You, I was your friend. Did you know he was there? Would you ever know, but you never noticed me as a guy, did you? No, you were my friend. 
It's good, man. That's why I make women suffer every day on this show. That's why I humiliate them. Right, Robin? That's what I say. That's my You're damn theory. right I do. Don't don't call up and tell me I, I'm not going to humiliate women on this show. That's why I've waited my whole life. All of you with your sex. What? Like it's golden. What do you think you got there? Oh, uh, this sounds like this sounds like a raging, like uh, in the closet guy upset he can't be coming out. Not a guy who's mad at women for not sleeping with him. Well, it's also it's it's it, he's he's um, proposing it as this is revenge. Yeah, for what you did to me. It's not as though these women who were uh, unaware that he was interested in them were humiliating him. You know, they were not trying to cause him pain and suffering. Right. He, on the other hand, he is trying to do that to women. I mean, he he's saying as much. Yep. So it's not as though I mean, they if there were hard feelings, it was um, unintentional One. to these women. Yeah. I mean, they, to, right. to these girls. Right. If a woman's not interested, she's not interested. You don't get mad at her. You just gotta, you know. Yeah. The take point it is, he comes. was not even. And if he wasn't if they're on all, their radar. <laughs> If they're all, all disinterested, well, then you have to, unfortunately, eat that fucking shit sandwich. I'm sorry, and finish off yeah. your plate. Uh, Sam? I have two points. Please. One is I think you can also look at this as he is jealous the fact that women are desirable sexual beings and he will never be a desirable sexual being that can get male attention the way mm -hmm. a woman can get that desirable male attention as well. He is not going to be the pretty girl that mm -hmm. they can be and get that sort of attention. So I think he's jealous of that sort of, I'm not the pretty girl. I, I think agree. that bothers him. And the way that he takes his wrath out on these unsuspecting people that piss him off in his studio, like women that he berates, you know, at a level 10, you know, the, we see this constantly throughout the years where it's like, oh, wow, yeah. where did this come from? It's because of this rejection that he's received in his life. Like I said, when he became famous, all of these underlings, he's just had these under bubbling of this coming up so you know we don't know they were probably like wow this was a bit much but um as a microcosm when he was told by management at, at wmbc that uh, imus had given out the edict he's not supposed to talk about me on the radio he was going to make sure at some point in his career he would do the same thing and he did to opie and anthony so whatever ill treatment he was going to get he was going to give back in spades regardless of the target he was just going to lash out it's even mischaracterizing it to say he was rejected i mean the default position is <laughs> every girl in the world is not throwing themselves at you that's the default right. Right. So he was only the default. I mean, he expected, though, the, to be the exception that for some reason every girl should be throwing themselves up. But to say you were rejected, it's like saying every college rejected me. Did you apply to them? No. Right. But he didn't he didn't he didn't, um, you know, pr say his love to these women and then find that they had no interest. I mean, he's just saying, I'm angry that you didn't throw yourselves at me.
Yeah. No, mostly what he's angry at is that he knows he's incredibly hideous and he has a lifetime of being this awful. Like, there's, I've known people uglier than Howard, actually, and they, their self-esteem is six miles in the ground. That's, it's, it's, it couldn't get any lower. And so when they did finally hook up with someone, it really was because of their personality. There's no two ways about it. And the people that they hooked up with were even at like being a four or may as well have been a, a 10 for all intents and purposes for their on uh, based on their standards. And we're not trying to get shallow here, guys, but unfortunately that's, that's the nature no, and of the that's world. Why I, you, you're attracted that's why to what you're attracted to. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I say it's, it's a surprising that he would ditch Irene so easily. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, hold on for a sec. You weren't interested in me at all. You did. Did you know any other girl who talked about Howard? No other girls. He waited for Lou's rejects. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> oh, Thanks a lot. The reputation you That's had. That's not true, by the way. Oh, you. <laughs> and then, and then uh, all the girls thought me and um, Dr. Lou were homos or something because we were good friends, right? We remember that. So oh, really? Once by the rest of our lives, we had to prove we could bang anybody. <laughs> to see the slobs I had to bang just to prove I wasn't a homo. He always outs himself. Like, yep. even yeah. in the previous clip, he was just tripping over himself in the Jackie um, j- double fisting jerk off tale. Yeah. No one he no one was... told him anything about being gay. No one no one mentioned gay. They just said they weren't interested. All of a sudden it had to go back to they accused me of being gay. Well, maybe because you are he, even exiting the story. It was just <laughs> freaking. It was just jumpy it was like landmine after landmine uh, yeah. uh i i i love women uh i'm not gay like right. he was just stepping on landmine after landmine he just outs himself constantly yeah ben? but it's also telling too that his sexual relationships were women with women were to prove to camp wellmets girls that he wasn't gay Right. Like as as if right. that's going. I mean, it's that's not that shouldn't be your motivation to prove to. Right. And also that just because you're good friends with a guy, it's not the default that we're going to assume you're gay. Right. Uh, well, so there unless, must have been you know yeah, yeah. a good reason to believe that you two were gay. Yeah, Sam. And he's and now he seems angry that. He's angry that the girls thought that Dr. Lou and him were gay. So was he angry that he was rejected or was he angry that, uh oh, these group of women are on to us and this is going to get out. So now I have to create some sort of narrative that never existed and pretend that I was rejected by them and I'm deeply hurt about it. Yeah, well, we don't. He's we the don't. One who put those words? Sorry. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you're right. You're, you just you took the words out of my mouth. They. He's the one that brought that out. They didn't say anything mm-hmm. about it. They no. said he waited for Lou's rejects, and it, there's. I imagine they smelled it on him, but not Lou. But because they were so joined at the hip, and he seemed to have Lou as his relationship tutor, I guess throughout his entire life, uh, up to a certain mm-hmm. point, uh, that um, that you know they they just kind of said, well, this guy's clearly gay. He doesn't have any game whatsoever. He's a gameless fruit and tall and lanky and gay. One of the girls. He's absolutely one of the girls. And he and the other thing is, if you can imagine him as a kid being annoying piece of shit, you think really at 18 and 17, he was any nicer a person. And he believes he had a good personality. (laughs) 
He was like, lighting would, his yeah. farts on fire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Methane. Uh, let's continue this clip and then go into the next one. <laughs> Thanks to you girls. Sick of girls. I had a lot of friends who were girls. Oh, and I didn't no. want to be friends. With any of them. <laughs> I bet you now I wish you had made love to me. I Seriously, in the back of your mind, you can see that you'd have some hell of a story. That's true. That's true. That's true. Good. Well, you can't have me. Uh, Go make love to your husband for the rest of your life over and over again. Karen, feeling a little dizzy like me? Okay, a little bit more. Maybe you should have paid a little more attention to me. I know you are. I know you, you can't say it in front of your husband if I kick them out of here. No, no, no. You, you know exactly what you're thinking. Just think of the lifestyle. Oh, I wonder what we'll do this Saturday night. Should we go to dinner with Richard Simmons or? Uh... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Would you like to go see Paul Lind? <laughs> oh, I suspect you think me and Richard Simmons are gay now. <laughs> why would you why would you think that what would give you that idea you, all you, don't go, people... you, you don't want to go to the cinema with me and mark harris <laughs> 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 look siobhan's coming along <laughs> go, sorry sam go ahead all these people from his past must be thinking what the fuck is going on once he became famous like they all must listen to this radio show and must be thinking who is this person well that's yeah, that's very that much it, part of the book they all they all kind of say the same thing like we there was no indication that he was witty or ever going to be some kind of except yeah something he was thoroughly unremarkable some stud yeah he was thoroughly unremarkable in every sense of the word and you'd think as a kid, Huff everybody guy. had some. Yeah, you think he was good at hopscotch, something. I don't know, fucking foursquare, uh, volleyball, basketball. To, to you'd have to work to be that incompetent at just about everything, including relationships. I mean, yeah. that's fact, that's beyond losers. One of the uh, words that is used I descri to describe him by um, a teacher, uh, Waxman. Let's see, is that he was personalityless. Yeah. Now this is the guy who says that his personality. If only the women could get. To, if only the girls would get to pass my looks. It was my personality. My personality. And this person describes him as personality less. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an accurate description of Howard because he really is person. I mean, he's malleable. Yes. He's a mirror. He mirrors people. And he. Mm -hmm. But nowadays that he's older, he projects onto them. You know, he that's, aren't you right. me? Aren't you me? Right. That's basically every question to a celebrity. Aren't you me? Exactly. Um, the next clip is called King of All Heterosexuals Strikes Back. It was, you know, what about the, what about the late bloomers? Like there. me and Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't so bad, believe me. I had a nice person. That, you always liked me as a friend. I was always like a nice guy, cool guy. Mm -hmm. Everybody loved Howie. All the girls loved but Howie. No, none of these girls could find you a girl even. No, no, no. No. <laughs> All the girls loved Howie. Are oh, you broads. Oh, well. Isn't he kind of outing himself as being an ass? Like he was being trying to, to basically be, you know, befriend them just for the, the purposes of nefarious reasons, meaning you're essentially not a good person. It's all bullshit. He's outing himself as being a, a complete fraud. Sam? I think he's saying that now, like he's mad, but I mm -hmm. think back then he liked being one of the girls. He yeah, liked absolutely. hanging out, he liked being a part of the girl gang. Right.
but that's not the narrative he wants to spin in this conversation. And this is going to par- this is going to parallel with the Fox episode two revenge disaster, uh, which I'm going to play, guys, because we I got to add some visuals sometime to this show. Oh yeah, the, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. With me, I would have jumped on her bones in two seconds. I would have worshipped you, but no, you couldn't pay attention to me. Why? I, I don't look good enough. Believe me, I'm better looking than your husband. I hope doubtful. Terminal yeast infection. <laughs> Terminal yeast infection. For the rest of your life. Oh. You drink nine quarts of cranberry juice a day, you still can't get rid of the freaking <laughs> yeast. I mean, yeast is on there growing like a like a like a like a pizza. Oh god. <laughs> Goes for every woman. That must be an on the fly Howard Stern original because there was nothing funny about it. It was just vile. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's uh for a urinary tract infection, you that's fucking right. seventy nine, <laughs> not a yeast infection. You dumb fuck. I think Jackie was laughing because it was so idiotic. And he said, Jesus, even I know better. <laughs> um, okay. The so next he knows skull. so much about vagina. I was going to say, nope. one thing that's really important to him that he hits hits a couple times here. And he just recently this week, it's very important to him, the, the notion that people from his past are looking at him now and kicking themselves and punishing themselves and saying, why? Why didn't I recognize? Why didn't I, you know, why didn't I, I, I hitch my wagon to his star? Why didn't I do more to get him in, to be in his favor? Why? And it doesn't happen. People, they didn't know him well enough to even care. I mean, to that they that that would have been an, a factor, you know, so it's it really and he actually bemoaned the fact the other day that he doesn't get that. It's, it's important to him that people um, and, and Rec- why would recognize. it be important to you? Because, yeah, you're not observing their torture. You're not observing their anguish that they're going through. Right. Right. So it's important to him to think that people are going through this and going, oh, I should have only been nicer to Howard. I would have had the best of the best. But people aren't doing it no matter. It, it, it is um, satisfying to me that that's important to him and he'll never get it. No. And actually, it reminds me of let's let's take it out of the sexual angle for just a moment. Um, the I can't remember which which station it was, maybe WWW, what Steve Perry from uh, Journey was 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 it him that called him Big Bird? Or didn't treat yep, him like he was. Yeah. But forget about forget about that. The, the 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 logic the logic of him being upset that Soupy Sales was given syndication and he wasn't. And he said yep. they were making they were, they were treating Soupy like a like a god. They, he didn't have to go through the ranks like I did. What are you talking about? They Soupy was an established name. Like yeah, there's he's no been in the reason. business for thirty years longer than you. Exactly, and so the logic of him, the logic of him, and that well, that's just pure narcissism at any rate. Um, but the stupidity to think that uh, someone had to go the same. They, for all you know, Soupy did all that, of course. So it's a, it's just insane to think that way. I was going to say he does the same thing with his career. He did like, why didn't you see my talent back then when I was a talentless shit talking like Kermit the Frog? How couldn't you Mm -hmm. see this genius that needed Jackie, Fred and, you know, the whole. Yeah. And and all the and then all the ripping off. And the other thing, notice how he said it in that one clip. He didn't just say, I wish you a terminal yeast infection. He said, I wish all women. Uh, the next clip is called When HS Gets VD, Head Straight to Ray Stern, MD. 
I just remember him coming back one night and say, you know, asking everyone in the bunk to smell his finger. He wanted everyone to smell his finger because, you know, he got to that point with someone. I don't remember who it was. Very open with me. Came home one summer. I want an appointment at the doctor's. I said, what's the problem? Well, I think I have syphilis. I said, you want? You think I have syphilis? I said, okay, let's go to the doctor. This this flabbergasted me. My parents did not have anything to do. Whenever whenever I had such issues like this, I don't even think I went to my brother and sister. I think I went to like just buddies, like somebody who might have known something. But at all costs, I wanted my family to know nothing about nothing. my sexual activity. There's just no yeah. way. So to well, be this it, tied into your mother because you have no friends and because she's got you in her hip pocket is baffling to me. I think it just speaks to how close and open this family was that, I mean, he didn't feel judged. He didn't feel judged. He didn't feel shame. He didn't feel um, that he had to conceal anything. (laughs) Except his sexuality. Uh, Go go ahead. I'd like to say I got syphilis from a woman, mother. (laughs) And this ties into this paragraph on 25. It goes... How many guys came home on visits from college and insisted that their mother accompany them on a shopping on shopping trips to help pick out new clothes? Ray would suggest to Howard that he was big enough to go by himself, but he dismissed the thought. He knew she enjoyed the outings. Besides, he added, I don't care what anybody says. I'm like, mm. what a hapless blob of shit. He couldn't even shop. No, no, yeah, that's, that's not that's not about treating Ray to a day at the mall. It's about having Ray and then Allison and then finally Ralph pick out my clothes for me and dress me. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but Allison was in the between the two. Yeah, so he cannot do anything for himself. That's been that's been proven t- countless times. He even <laughs> brought the- Ray to, to the store with him to pick out uh, a nighty to yes. get to Allison. Oh. <laughs> that's comfortable imagine being the salesperson you know what yeah. the fuck right. this so yeah. normal. he's holding Bates. it up to Ray for sizing yeah <laughs> oh god uh. <laughs> I don't think we have a let me see if we have anything in the uh. oh my god sizes yeah doctor and he goes into the office with the doctor and he says thinks he's got syphilis so the doctor said all right, we'll take a blood test, Howard. And who should I send the report to? Who oh, send it to my mother? He said, <laughs> "What the fuck?" He figured the doctor figures you know he wants to keep it quiet and slip me the answer. Who should I send the report to? Let her worry. About. Send it to my, send it to my mother. Let her worry about. It. There were times that. Okay, I'm going to keep, keep let this keep going because you know heterosexual Howie has to tell you all about his exploits. Uh, but before but just, we do, Ben. Yeah, just listen to the fun that Ray and Ben have together. They're yeah. always yeah. joking, and they are not the monsters that Howard wants them to be. No, Needs they're... them to be in order to explain who he is today, in order to have someone to blame it on. He needs them to be monsters, and they're not. I wish they had a radio show. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. They would have been – because the other thing that strikes me about Ben and Ray – when we have heard them on the radio or in person, whenever they are 100% completely unflappable. 
There's because (laughs) they have a confidence. They have a confidence in their own personality. They are who they are. They're fully developed human beings in terms of what they, you know, like, I think we all know when we're 15, 16, the, 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 what do you call it? Awkward high school years. We all kind of figure out that's the personality you're going to have pretty much for the rest of your life. As far as I know, because I changed by the time I was from 13 to 14, 15, I got way more assertive in high school by grade nine and 10. And I was that I've not really changed that much from that period, aside from learning more, traveling more, et cetera, you know, getting <laughs> crow's feet. Um, but other than that, but he, this malleable piece of fucking silly putty that doesn't have any personality. I can only imagine what kind of a fucking bore he is in a social setting, a party, uh, dinner. He's got nothing to say, absolutely nothing to say, unless someone writes it for him. Yeah, I think his thing is to um, treat the person he's talking to as if they're the most fascinating person he's ever met so that you you leave the situation remembering how good you felt about yourself because all you did was talk about how, uh, you know, whatever you're into and the person who you were talking to was blown away and just saying (laughs) it's like his interviews. I mean, these people always are willing to stay longer and why wouldn't they? They just been told for the last hour and a half. Only I understand you. Everybody else is, uh, you know, trying to take advantage of you. Uh, you know, there are reasons for you. There are reasons for you to be resentful. Uh, I understand you. And I think you're the greatest there ever was. Of course, people want to stay longer and be around that. So I think that his personality, his, I think his social survival technique is to just be amazed at all times when he's talking to these people. Yeah, he doesn't challenge them ever. No, there's a great story. I wish I could play the clip, but maybe I will another time where he cornered um, Meryl Streep at some party and told her about how his her acting kind of influenced him. And he said while he was talking to her, he saw her eyes look around for an escape. She excused herself and took off. I'm sure Wait he was just, she how was just did her How did her acting influence him? Oh, in terms of like when he was doing the private part stuff, like that, uh, when he, like he, he, the same way he said Michael Caine's oh. how to act, you know, that's what he used. He was told to, to watch it and whatever. And then he was probably told, oh, check out Meryl Streep, how she does certain things. And uh, he ran into her somewhere <laughs> and she just looked for, he said, she couldn't get away from me fast enough. I'm sure it was for a, you, a number of reasons. You not were a Razzie for, nominee. Yeah. You lost oh. Dennis Rodman. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me you based it on my performances. Team. Exactly. It was really like, like you're talking about women. I was on a real roll sometimes, but I think inside I felt very ugly that I wasn't an attractive person. And yet, then out of the clear blue, some really attractive woman would want to bang me. And then, for the longest time, it would just be like maybe once in a while some ugly chick would have sex with me. It's very spotty. One thing I'll tell you is that a lot of women that I knew when I was younger didn't really want to have long-term relationships with me. Okay, let's play this one out. As friends they did, but the ones that I had sex with seemed to be either turned off after I had sex with them or they were disappointed. But it was weird. So, like, sometimes I see myself as a kid who's, like, I've talked to guys who said, wow, you got laid at 16 and you had all these sexual experiences, man, because I think, oh, I didn't get laid until I was, like, 19 or 20 or, you know, I'm still trying to get laid. So it makes it sound like I'm... I was maybe something of a ladies' man, but I really wasn't. It just would happen. Like weird shit would just happen to me once in a while, you know. And- 
Okay, 16 seconds. I would get get these women, but I never felt like I really, I think I really desired a strong, close relationship with a woman. And that's what I wanted more than anything. I wanted a girlfriend. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I, but, I, but I did have women. <laughs> that's that's that sounds like someone desperately trying to convince you they're not gay. You know, I did have relationship. I my my daughter does date men successfully. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's all I'm thinking. Sam, he starts okay. he starts this he starts the sentence. You talk about women. <laughs> as if, as if uh, you brought up something that I've been meaning to talk about. Yeah, that we don't actually talk about this very much. Women, we talk about women. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then he gives this long story where he tells every – the 12-sided die thing you mentioned. Every – in that paragraph, he lands on every one. He just throws it and lands on every single one. I had the ugliest girls. I had – hot women would throw themselves at me. I would have these dry spells. I, you know, I was a ladies' man at times. Uh, it was every single thing yeah. that you could be, he landed on. It covers every single base. Yeah, it's a it's a choose your own adventure and he's chosen everyone and said I hit him, I, was all I, hit, I hit a home run, I caught the ball, and I tagged myself out after yeah, right. getting the grand slam <laughs> Right. And I was the coach. It's so true. God, I still I still can't get over that he said that to Meryl Streep. I should should I find the clip and play it because it's I, I really would love that. I wish she would have okay. responded as like um, her character in The Devil Wears Prada and just said, did you fall down and smack your little head on the pavement? <laughs> Do you, does he think Meryl Streep has never been told? <laughs> does he think Meryl Streep is going to be blown away when she hears that I look up to her acting. Okay, it's a really There's... short. Cl- it's a really short clip. I think. I think we can do it. It's twenty-seven seconds long. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I I met Meryl Streep, and I had this anecdote about when I was making my movie, how I watched her video, and it helped me. I walk up to her right. and I go, I I love you, and then I started telling her the story. Halfway through the story, I see the eyes glazing over. <laughs> I know I'm trapped. The story isn't all that interesting. She's probably heard it 50 billion fucking times. And now I made the mistake. You did it right. I love you. I love you. And in fact, uh, so we're going to go into, guys, um, a little uh, segment from the second episode of the Fox shows. I should I keep calling them Fox pilots. A pilot is only one. But they were all test episodes. And in this one, he um, gets it's someone from WellMed. Oh. And yeah. I don't know if it's the same person he has because he's had a couple of them on the show at at various various occasions, like the radio show as well. So let's uh, take a look at this one. It's it's as it's bad as you think it's going to be. There's also Robin, a woman in our audience, who I had a crush on in high school. Really? And she never would give me the time of the day. And now she's probably sitting in the audience thinking, man, she should have put out for me. Who is this? Uh. <laughs> she's looking at a guy with a refrigerator box crate as a desk on a show that still does not have a buyer and that they're shopping around and they had to probably pay people to fucking attend in this room of a hundred people. Uh, this isn't something you brag about guys. Certainly not with Bowie next to you and Robin Sam. I mean, look at this set. 
<laughs> we we savaged the first episode, guys. We made it a two-parter, and it's one of my favorites because of how awful it is, and obviously the visuals. And yes, we saw it. We looked at it in you know 2020 eyes, but whatever. But you can't even put yourself in 1986 or say 87 eyes and say this was any good if you're really honest with yourself. No, you couldn't. No. Did Ralph had anything was... to do with the set decorating at the time? I don't think Ralph was hit was in the scene until what, uh, 89, 88, 89. He got involved when they, when I believe he got involved, uh, when Howard was in between, um, WNBC and XRK, I think when he was doing those live stage shows. Yeah. So who was dressing him? For some reason he needed a giant penis. D Snyder was responsible for most of this. Most of these looks, I would say. D. Snyder's wife I, yes. was the one who, uh, yeah. Suzette, yeah. Doesn't know I'm going to call on her, but. Or do you want to talk to the girl from camp? The girl from camp? Well, this is an awkward position. Where is she? Where's that girl from summer? Where's Leslie? <laughs> Leslie, you here? Yes. Your hand. So he said high school first, but then he said, well, man, I'm, I'm sure he just meant during my high school years. Right here. Yeah. Where? Oh, there she is. Where? Is that your husband? Oh, perfect. Hey, you too. Oh, there you are. Come on down. Yeah, come on down. So, oh, wait, maybe so I can talk to him right here. You just go up there. Okay. Do you like how, wait. Now. Do you like hey. how he goes, where's Leslie? And he had to put on his sunglasses to <laughs> not see her better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's great. Man, lucky dude you are. This hey. is the guy you married. This is the guy you married, huh? Hey, Let yeah. me sit between you guys. Hey, uh, what are you, a slob? Move over. <laughs> this guy's like a real jerk. <laughs> jerk. Well, Leslie's pregnant now, so, you know. Oh, she is. Yeah, but she looks, but I still think she looks real good looks and everything. Very good. But uh, you know that I had like a super big crush on you at camp, right? That's what you told me. Yeah, and I mean, you knew it because she had like one of the best bodies at camp. This is what you said. She yeah. was like a, a boating instructor or a swimming instructor. Your body's dying oh, now. God. Well, you're pregnant. Sam's having like I don't know third hand embarrassment. Oh, so le- this is so lecherous! And I, like as a woman, when you're pregnant, you're like extra on guard. Yeah, I just remember being like sensitive. I don't. Yeah, this is, if somebody's like moving in on my space, you just feel extra protective of your body because you have another life in you. Yeah, so you're like yeah. extra. You're extra protective of your space. No, and but you're also you're also self. You're also self-conscious because you're not your body's getting bigger, regardless of what you're trying to do, and you have no control over it. And he's, so now, he's yeah. So now you're her. moving your husband away from you, and now you have a man that's like hoarding in on your space and confronting you and making comments about your body as a teenager. It is the creepiest situation I could possibly put somebody in. And he yeah, looks like I a always, train wreck. <laughs> I always found this to be there's such pathos and there's such um, it's it, it's really revealing that this. Yes. So he's got five chances, I guess it is, yep. to convince Fox that he should be the next Johnny Carson, essentially. Right. Right. So, you know, they're giving him you. You can do whatever you want. You have total autonomy. Do whatever you want. And mm. with his wife in attendance. Because mm-hmm. he goes, because Allison's in this in the same room right now. Yep. He decides what I really want to do with this power. It's like a Rupert Pupkin fantasy. I need to go totally. up there and and in front of all of America, <laughs> even though this didn't air, uh, I need to 
what would happen? What was he imagining would happen? She would say, I, I want to run away with you and let's leave your wife and I'll abort this kid because I know you love abortion, Howard. And we'll <laughs> we'll be together because uh, where could this go? Anyway, I just always imagine the Fox executives and Buckwald standing next to each other watching as this unfolds and thinking, oh, there, here goes the show. I mean, this is yeah. never going to air. <laughs> you I, should get cancer. I hope you get cancer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeast infections for life. I I just also think, too, there had to be a switch right here where it's like, I no longer care if I get a Fox show I just want to have an ultimate revenge fantasy. I have this microphone. I have this power. So mm -hmm. here we go. And this is this moment where it's like, this is no longer about me succeeding in my career or getting a TV show. I don't give a shit. I'm just totally going to. Well, that's why I say it's really revealing. It. I mean, but, you know, with the microphone with him, it has always been um, a force field. Yeah. So he feels like um, there are no consequences for whatever happens. Well, as long as I'm holding a microphone, there are no consequences. Mm -hmm. I can say whatever I want, do whatever I want. Of course, when I put the microphone down, I'm powerless. But yeah. I can claim uh, I was just being an entertainer. I was just – so you can't hold me accountable for what the guy with the microphone said or did. And that's right. always been what his – so he would never have the confidence to say this to her. To put himself in between this, the, the the husband and wife like this, in polite company, we just wouldn't do that. But now that he's got the microphone and and, and added to that a uh, supporting audience right. and cameras on him, he's invincible and he's uh, he can do whatever he wants. You're right. It's the Harry Potter invisibility cloak. Well, the other thing is, yeah, Harry is a good word. Uh, in this case, he also, I think, after the first episode was filmed, I think he, in his mind, although he wouldn't admit it, I'm sure, to anybody and certainly not to himself, that subconsciously he knew he didn't have a chance. After they'd finished filming it and he'd taken a look at it himself, I'm sure he thought, fuck it, now we have to just go for it. Uh, and we're, we don't know what we're doing. Um, and so... And they were also scrambling when Jackie explained that, you know, they couldn't really control what he wanted to do. He had the final say. You were left with what the boss boss's mandate was and why he thought this would be entertaining is beyond me because it it, it I, falls so flat. It, it's it's almost it's like an outtake. Like it really all it's like he filmed five outtakes. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that he's thinking of the entertainment of the audience i think no. he's thinking of the revenge for himself yes well this goes in line remember filmer when we were doing the episode where we f we watched him um making the the new pro the new commercial promo for howard Miss TV America? when he's no when he's in the white hat oh okay yeah yeah the filming of the intro he, hmm. And he's cutting for the new intro and he's in the white hat and he's going to have the, you know, circus music come out yep. for the new Howard TV. Yeah. He had the director come up with all the ideas for that new intro. And the director, he comes on set. He's all dressed up in the white outfit. And yeah. he, the director's like, here are all my ideas. And he goes, yep, looks good. OK. Yeah. And the director was like hoping standing there hoping for some input yeah howard had nothing he didn't care no. he had no, no. input he no. had zero creativity so what i'm thinking is 
Howard got this opportunity, but he is creatively bankrupt and had nothing. So he gets these opportunities, but really doesn't have anything to bring to the table, nor does he really have the hard work ethic to want to do this. So he does get these opportunities, but he doesn't want to put the hard work into actually succeeding at them. Well, you have a guy that you have a guy that has no actual work ethic. You've got a guy that hates comedy, but could have you know spent his years watching TV shows. Could have seen how things are should look. Like at the very least, in a situation like this, you know what you don't want, and that should be more than enough to get you to some kind of level playing field with, you know, your I square to square away your ideas. But he has no ideas because number one, he's not going to allow other people who are in his in his organization who are just as um, brainless as he is with regard to putting on a TV show because they have no experience. They did admit that much at least. However, this is the key. He, um, what was the, uh, oh God, we, we, what was it we were actually doing? Oh yeah, you're right. That same exact episode, the gay wedding cake uh, tuxedo that he was fucking wearing for that intro. You'd expect him to go to the director and say, I want this, I want this, make sure this is a quick cut. I want this close up, whatever. He was just standing there like a fucking lummox saying, what do you want me to do? Yes. Yeah. He was just just rocking back and forth and saying, OK, nothing. The the brainchild of Sirius when he got there was Tim Sabian, who yes. was the one that was driving those channels and the creativity behind that and the energy of it. It wasn't right. Howard. It was Tim. Right. Yeah. And, you know, just to. um um, explain the scene here a little bit. This whole thing about Howard getting a, te a test for Fox. Fox wasn't the nation, the the national, um, no. you know, big network that then that it is now. You know, right. it was I believe it was like a UHF type of uh, station. Right. Um. But also Howard wasn't unique. Um. DJs all over got the chance to do their own shows, especially in, in, you know, TV didn't used to be what it is now. It was a lot more regional. Absolutely. And so yes. you could have, you could have talk shows that were on in Philadelphia that were never in, but they were big in Philadelphia. So, That's it. uh, I remember Jonathan Brandmeier had his own try at it. It was called Johnny B on the loose. I remember watching it and going, Oh, this mm -hmm. isn't going to, going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, DeBella actually got his own and it lasted, I don't know, three months or something like that. But he actually yeah. got his own for a brief, a brief window. But um, this was not like they, they identified Howard is the guy we have to try. It was just, let's try Howard. I mean, everybody yeah. else is getting a shot at it. Let's try Howard. And, you know, they end up giving the job to Arsenio. Um, or though they offered, and, they offered to Arsenio. They, they offered he did, the job to Arsenio. Yeah. Right. That's right. right. They offered the job. And so, you know, that that explains Howard's contempt, because not only uh, did Howard not get the job, but Arsenio didn't take the job. It wasn't good enough for him. Yeah. But. Um, yeah. So. So anyway, and this never aired. It, so Howard got to go and claim that the reason why this didn't air is because they're so afraid of the FCC problems <laughs> that Howard has. <laughs> Which by that point was a warning. It was he had received a warning not to do something uh, you know indecent right. like, as he had done. It wasn't like he had racked up millions of dollars in fine. His station had gotten a warning, so he took that and ran with it as I'll use this anytime something doesn't go my way. I'll accuse you of being afraid of the FCC, and you know Fox just was quiet about it and just they didn't they could have just said 
your show is terrible. Don't tell, don't don't <laughs> blame it on the FCC. Blame yeah. it on yourself. This is terrible. We covered, uh, and if anybody wants to listen, you got to listen to the unexpurgated version on our apps, all the apps basically, except for YouTube, because we had to release a truncated version of the Arsenio Rescinding in which in which we explain the whole saga and his bullshit spin about why these things failed, because it's fascinating. In addition to having covered the first pilot, the Arsenio one is is a must watch in sort of in in combination in tandem, and now this is going to tie into it. I guess we're doing synergy for the yeah. uh, older episodes, but the the bullshit. About about how they offered me, I turned them down, you know, like, yeah. and, and <laughs> I think it was Tommy from Malden called in, in asking about it. And we're going to redo our Carson versus Wiggy uh, episode at some point because we have way more clips, way more knowledge, more books have been released and a lot more um, material in general and a better audio quality. So we're going to stay tuned for that one, guys. Eventually, we're going to put that one together properly and give it the real the real full treatment. So now but your body is damn good and uh by the way Wait, I matched... did you ever date her no i never even uh, i she knew i wanted her you knew i wanted you though that summer right no i didn't know until you told me on the air <laughs> you, and now i don't know how much money your husband makes or anything but you're what well, you're in the art world an artist right you've got to be kicking yourself in the head that you didn't like even <laughs> I'm just saying, look at this, this power base. Be, this I mean, could be old money. You never know. What look at not, those people behind you oh. are wearing sunglasses indoors. Just the audience is wearing sunglasses. Oh, my Lord. And her husband's a good-looking guy. He looks a little like uh, Michael Penn in um, in uh, Boogie Nights when he's at the film studio at the uh, audio studios and recording studios going, you know, <laughs> we need less bass. Um, Robin's voice is so grating in this, yeah. too, by the way. You, you have to be I just I can't with her voice right now. Well, in every like, angle, she's trying so. to save him. Yeah. A little bit, but oh, it's God, really yeah. like when she's when she knows it's going bad and she's really trying to throw him a life raft, knowing it's going bad. Her voice goes up an octave and it gets a little it's almost like belting like it, yeah. like a is belting. That hairline is that hairline manufactured right there? That sort of stair step that she's got going. Yeah, on? it looks like shading. They, they might have yeah. actually put like a crayon or whatever to, to color it in or something. <laughs> Jesus H. It's like living in like a crummy apartment because I uh, really? I give her a ride home one day. Uh-oh. And uh, what in do you do? Limo, you gave her a ride? I'm a taxidermist. Whoa. Oh, you're a taxidermist? Yeah. So you stuff animals? Mountain stuff big game. You mountain stuff big games. How much could he make? 60 grand a year? Who's calling for that anymore? Well, yeah. People road kills, you know. Oh, you fuck you, Robin. You do with it. Oh. Yeah, but I'm just saying, man, you've got to be kicking yourself. I mean, look at this guy. you got to be That's kicking yourself happened. in the head. I mean, I'm sitting here with this television show. Don't tell me you're not sitting here going, holy cow, I could have married Howard Stern. For what, a week more? <laughs> not am, even. I seeing, am I seeing a seam right there in his hairline there? Like sort of, because, you know, you've, I've shown you, I've shown before the seam that he has, across, the, the mesh seam that he has that goes across the back. But right there, yeah. That right yeah. there. Yeah, well, I think that's well, what I'm seeing. Uh, well, I, get, I almost, I can, I can pretty much guarantee. Well, what, what was it, the Belzer episode, the Good Morning America, or a good, not Good Morning America, Good Morning New York, or something? That earlier appearance that he had done in '81 or '82 or '83 with uh, Henny Youngman in there, asking him, "What's that row, oh, yeah. that dead squirrel on your yeah. thing?" And then he actually moves the whole head of hair. He moves it yeah. physically. He says it's a hair weave. 
It's a hair that's weave. There's no and there's no joke. He was flat on. And then people are still like, yeah. come on, guys, that's his real hair and all this. And we say obviously wig, we mean system, but eventually at one yeah. point it was a wig and then it became a system. Uh implants and what have you, transplants. Uh you Sam like I it's so ironic too, he's a taxidermist and he must be looking at this guy and thinking Jesus. <laughs> yeah, like wow, I could mount you in the water buffalo sitting next to me. <laughs> Great. Can you imagine talking about that at a party? Oh yeah, somebody ran over a deer the other day, my husband's stuffing it. Yeah, but but Robin, you <laughs> I'm fucking I would, cunt. Oh, I hate her. And she had a body that I would have killed for. Right. Because she used to run around in a little bikini and stuff. She could have been Mrs. Stern. You would have been Mrs. Stern. You would have had it all. <laughs> Kiss me. You know there's, and the, what, the other thing you notice so drastically, so so obviously, I would is it, punch him. I would punch him. The 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 guy next to him. First of all, he's yeah, he's a good looking guy. Like he looks fine. Um, there's there's it's a flat response from the audience. No one gives a shit. They're like mm-hmm. thinking, mm-hmm. where's the laugh going to come from here? Where there's no applause sign, and we're not finding this funny. It's the radio shtick. Like, he just can't shut up long enough for something to play out. And they're not helping because they're just cringing. And Allison is in the in the audience. We're going to get to yeah. her right at the end. Yeah. And that's that's even more cringeworthy. Like, your wife is there, and this is what you're planning. This is your big shtick. She's pregnant. As a man, wouldn't you just at the, kiss me? I would have yoked that guy up and just socked him right in the face. Do you know one time um, Burt Reynolds hosted guest hosted the Tonight Show and had one of his ex, I think his ex-wife on as one of his guests. And this is when Burt was still dating Dinah Shore, who was much older than him at the time. And she made some kind of crack like, oh, I understand you like older women. Uh, And then he said something like not older, just classier and got a huge (laughs) pop, just a huge laugh. And then he said and he wrote in his book, he said, I I knew that the audience was going to go against her, so I decided let's let's be peaceful about this. And he started. He he said, "Oh, that's okay. You're a hu- you're actually a huge fan of Dinah, aren't you?" She said, "Yes, I am." You know, and he he allowed her to get away with it. Howard doesn't want to get anybody let anybody get away with anything, and he is not getting away with anything here. So imagine the Fox execs looking at this Oof. when Howard was in the audience watching with them the Joan Rivers shows saying I could do better than this. And he's gone on record mm-hmm. as saying this. He was going mm-hmm. going to go against his fucking friend who he claimed, you know, he stood by, but meanwhile had no problem trying to take her position on the Fox, you know, when it, when the opportunity was given to him, fuck him. And they're, and they're double, they're double teaming. So you got Robin chirping yeah. and him punching. It's just, it's ridiculous. I can't even believe how bad this is. You're right. That's a perfect uh, analogy. It's two two little uh, kids trying to, hitting a heavy bag and it's not moving. Yeah, Howard is like is the only boxer whose trainer also gets into the ring with him and also throws <laughs> blows at the opponent at the same time. <laughs> Custom Mouse is going to demolish you. Kiss me. Wait a minute. Don't you, don't you, aren't you curious? You know what the difference would have been? What? Instead of sitting over here tonight, you'd have been sitting over there. You would have been sitting where my lovely wife is sitting. <laughs> Honey, I love you. <laughs> but I definitely would have married this girl for sure. I know, yeah. That's comfortable. Me now? Yeah. Wait a minute. Did you? No, I think she's got the hot for me, my man. 
I really do. I think she'd dump you in a second for me, man. I've got a TV show. I've got a power base. I'm happening, man. <laughs> this is so beautiful. This is the best part of having a TV show, man. Just rubbing it into all the girls who rejected me. Uh, Nobody. What's, what's the appeal? It, this <laughs> is a, happening, a man. And if you're, flat, yeah. flat silence. Everybody's, yeah. everybody's body language is backing away. Did you notice that yeah. everybody's not leaning in? Everybody's backing away. They're because they're cringing. <laughs> they just don't know where the fuck it's going. And keep in mind, guys, if you're a comedian, self-deprecation is your biggest weapon. But if you're a host, you have to have that. You have to project some kind of self-confidence. Otherwise, that doesn't work either because you have to have control. He's clearly yeah. lost all control. And that's why this is but also not working. And you see that he views the world from this victim mentality where yeah. this person says, oh, I didn't even know you liked me. And he says, yeah, you rejected me. So you harmed me. <laughs> you know, this person says, I didn't even know you liked me. You harmed yeah. me. Yeah. Bob, oh, and those, Bob, Chicago these sunglasses yeah. are doing him no favor on that nose. Well, he know he's got to cover those crazy eyes, man. Otherwise, the you know, the cameraman's going to have oh, a, yeah. a seizure looking at them. Like I was some kind of scumhead. Head. I dig it, man. Something to be said. I mean, I feel like man. a fat pig of a woman <laughs> who never had any sex and now can have anybody she wants because she makes $32 million a year. It's beautiful, man. And now and now you're looking at me saying, why the hell didn't I look at him twice? No, she's not. Saying that, but he was pretty cute when I married him. Yeah, but you are saying it, aren't you? Admit it. <laughs> what are you saying now, Leslie? You're about to have his, this man's child, and you wish it was only my child, don't you? I love this. I love it, man. I just love the fact that all the women who reject me, that's what I want to they do. They want you now. Yeah, Howard. I want to do an entire show, Robin, of, of women who rejected women. me. Would it fill an audience? This is just an echo chamber of Robin and Howard. See, yeah. Howard, yeah. yeah. That, like, nobody's well, saying that except for Robin, who's just bouncing off. Howard's thought back at him. Nobody else is yeah. saying that. Nobody's thinking that. Everybody has voiced the opposite. Well, Poor Robin. She's Poor not, Robin. Very early she's not saying Sorry. She's trying to throw him a life preserver. And yeah. it's not working because she's already popped a bunch of holes in it. The, re the relationship that they sort of have is when Howard goes to attack someone, Robin runs around behind them, gets down on all fours so that Howard can be you know, prepared to knock the person over. That That's her role is I'm going to be there to uh, uh, blindside this, help you blindside this person. And um, yeah, it, it if Robin didn't throw out um, the fact that Allison was in the audience, Howard, uh, Howard was like Allison who? He was only focused on revenge that only was meaningful to him. Um, you know, because because this woman didn't have, you know, I, she wasn't hurting his feelings. She had no idea that he had feelings for her. Well, he's always got his his bat homosexuality accusation, you know, repellent. He's always got that utility belt of bullshit that, that he thinks he can fall back on. And it, on the radio, it might have worked occasionally here and there. But on the TV show, it just falls flat because it's a visual medium. And this is not. Attract. This is not appealing in any way, shape, or form, and it's not because the cameras are cheap, the filming is cheap. It's 1986. It's just because the material that you're looking at is dead in the water. So Allison pops in near the end here because it was like Howard. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What is filming audience? That's like, shut up. Rejected. <laughs> you know, we got um, how many seats does this place hold? Yeah, I don't think we'd have enough seats to hold all the women rejected. <laughs> not really. But I want I want you to do something. Come on, come with me. Uh -oh. I want oh, to. 
pregnant now. Disregard that. Like. She had a much better butt. Let me show you something. She's Here's pregnant. Yeah. Stand up, honey. Take this off. No, take off that. Take this off. Let me just say something. Here's the woman who didn't reject me. I was making no money. I had no TV show. And this is when you should have looked at me because it would have been all yours, sweetheart. The oh house, God. Jaguar, the other three cars, everything, the pool, it would have been all yours. And I want you guys oh to look God. at the way I want you to look at the way he kisses her like it's he's meeting yeah. her for the first time. Come on, honey. Are you watching? She got the day. Beautiful. That's that's that. And now, oh my god! <laughs> go ahead. I'm cringing. Ahead. I'm dying. This is just yeah. so. I I think Ew. I have it here somewhere. One sec. Let's see if I saved it. There was um. Oh, now I can't find it. I don't. Not How sure. Oh, there far... it is. Thank God, Allison. Oh, there's my money. gift. <laughs> okay. I made sure to save this. This is Howard yeah. and Allison from the Super 8 tapes that uh, made it to uh, uh, made it to the internet eventually. That he had had yeah. souped up, like they were oh. uh, they were worked on and remastered. So this is a gif or gif, whatever. I keep saying gif. Sorry, guys. Um, of that Benjamin made ages ago of him and Allison. Is this Allison? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it must be. It's just, it's just the hair colors throwing me off, I guess. Uh, Sam? Um, there's, I gotta have you, Ben, make a gif of him and Beth kissing. There's this one interview where it's her birthday at the Hamptons, and they give each other, like, a quick smooch, and it looks yeah. just like this. It's, yeah. like, the mm. most sterile-looking, like, this is a gay guy like, sh trying, yeah. trying, like, trying, trying like, to do whatever he can. Like, looks like a quick hello kiss that I give people that I see once in a while. And I'm like, nice to see you. Yeah. Like she's happy about shoulder. Look at the shoulder lift giggle that he does afterwards. Like, oh, he can't yeah. even look, be serious that he's yeah. kissing a girl. It's like, oh, it's always it's all a joke. Yeah. No, it's, it really does look. Ooh, look at me. Yeah. I'm kissing. I'm kissing the opposite sex. How weird is that? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> she's oh. puckering up and she's looking at him. So you really are a fag. The three How could Jaguars. I be gay? I have a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he just came back from the mine shaft with Freddie Mercury. <laughs> yeah, oh, he does. Yeah. Oh, he my God. Like... <laughs> 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 he looks like he was in the um, body language video. <laughs> Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay, so we'll leave that there. Hold on. The next clip is from, uh, still from chapter two, the dutiful, if not beautiful, son. Howard was such a respectful son and drew such affection from Ben and Ray that in an ironic way, his happy family life may explain today why this outwardly self-conscious geek from a stage Long Island suburb would become confident enough to let it all hang out in public via the radio let alone to a level of vulgarity that most sons never would display in private to their parents or anyone else. This is uh, the, the second paragraph on page 24, if you guys are following along. And um, a lot of this doesn't get put in, of course. Although the personality quirks of Ben and Ray Stern later formed bottomless wells of radio material, from all accounts, the couple were so devoted to their son and so supportive that they may have laid the foundation for his broadcast exploits. Yeah, which we already know, of yeah. course. Um, right, but but yeah. which is why it's so tragic that Howard constantly 
hammers Ben Stern as an absentee father, as a, a as an uninterested father, as a man who hated his son, all, and so on and so on and so on. And by all accounts, he was uh, such a loving father, such a supportive father, uh, far more involved with Howard with his child than Howard ever was with any of his kids. Oh, for sure. Because the middle of the paragraph is where that ends. And it explains here. There's a, a friend, Eric Davis, recalls watching Howard assume the guise of a science fiction monster and making grunting noises to fend off an order given by his father. And his father played along with the ploy, addressing the monster by the name Howard was using and telling him to listen to his mother. So this is a nice got, little story. A nice little it insight. Is, it, it would be, I, especially if you heard it from him, but you never would and never do. No, and never have. Exactly. I wrote in my in the notes in my book. I said it illustrates Ben's kindness, and thoughtfulness, yeah. and patience, and it and, hu- uh, and humor. Yeah, right. And and, I, and they would never hurt Howard in front of his friends. You know, they would never. He would never disrespect his son in front of his friends. And I also said in the first when they said that Howard was a respectful son, but then you know how he changed during his radio personality at Vulgar. I said it's how easily he changed and shifted his morals like just so easily on a dime. So he's raised one way and then just all gone, just so easily shifted. Mm -hmm. Um, This next clip is called bodily functions as entertainment. His parents appeared to tolerate his outrageousness on the radio because they knew the loving son behind the blue humor. Besides, he was never vulgar with them. They were able to separate Howard from the star of the Howard Stern show. Bodily functions? We all have bodily functions, Ray Stern would say. Why get uptight just because Howard talked about bathroom habits on the radio? His older sister, Ellen, also accepted what he did on the radio, stating he says what most people are thinking. Uh, and especially what he's thinking, uh, but depends on the time. Um, now, the next page on page 25, guys, is is almost completely... Um, taken away and it's, to, it's, it's devoid from the uh, the audio tapes and Sam read a little bit of it uh, and there, there's another part here what um, uh, it says Ray told him on the air I raised you good and I'm very satisfied she saw Howard as sweet and sensitive hard, hardly vulgar um, his fans see beneath the facade a facade see the real Howard and as outlandish as the jokes are sometimes I always say give people a laugh she told the Washington Post some people take life so very seriously they forget how to be childlike and Howard is a child that's the beauty I, of Howard <laughs> yeah can I tell you that that's that's Ray paraphrasing the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi she was so devoted to him and that was a big thing with him laughter being childlike and so on and that's where Ray gets it I think it's sad that like even when he used to talk crap about his parents, at least they had, you know, they always would call in and defend themselves. And then it would always be a bit. And, you know, they would always defend themselves and win quite handily. But now it's so sad because he trashes them all the time. And now they're too old to defend themselves. And it just is yeah terrible. It's it so rotten. Well, he's also doing it behind their backs. They're not listening to the show 
Right. They don't even have the, they don't even have mics to get back on the air and, 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 and the never mind the ability. And I like could some of our uh, listeners like Jonathan Levin, for example, like and, and, and myself, too, because dad just, you know, finally in the uh, he's in the care facility now really bothers us, especially because we'd love to have the ability to take care of our parents and to, to go and treat them for all they you know, they've done for us. And, you know, not everybody grows up with shitty parents. And Howard certainly didn't grow up with shitty parents at the end of the um, the it's so, so as I was saying, it bothers. I was, I was trying to lead to the point. It bothers people to hear this. Like you guys said, that's a natural human reaction to people <laughs> abusing their fucking parents. Um, at the bottom of the page, there's some audio that's um, uh, in the – there's audio, but then it continues on. Uh, my father yelled at me, yes, but I see that he cared about me. It wasn't done to harm me but to better me. With my mother, it's a true, unconditional, unselfish love. And when you have that kind of love, things go right – do go right in your life. This was a quote from Howard to the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anybody wants to hear the, you know, everybody wants bullshit, you know, want to hear the the narrative they choose to listen to, you know, if he was bullshitting to the Washington Post and he's telling the truth now or vice versa. I don't know. To me, it sounds like he was being as honest as he could because he was actually being he was actually given a forum to talk and he would have loved that back then. Yeah. And he was closer to the age of he was closer to his childhood in age yeah. back then. Than he yeah. is now. I mean, Absolutely. at this point, his childhood is so impressionistic. It's so based on um, uh, liberties taken for um, for him to get away with making racist comments or for him to get away with whatever. It's so convoluted and so unreal. And now he, it's just been mined to death to explain any shortcoming he has in his life. Totally. So that he doesn't have to be accountable. They mine his childhood like crazy in that psychoanalysis to find, ah, here's the blame. Here's who you can blame it on. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I don't believe I, maybe that the, the, that the therapist, if you can call him that, um, that that's his intention. Right. That's certainly what his patient is doing. Uh, the next clip is called Bob Grant and Alex Bennett Get Their Pockets Picked. Howard told the Washington Post that his parents understand that. I focus on the funnier aspect of our relationships, but it's a good relationship that most people would be envious of. Besides being exposed to his father's New York recording studio and his tales of working with broadcasting figures, Howard developed an interest in radio during the many hours he spent listening to the box. Music radio, as it was presented by the chime-sounding, echo-chambered top 40 disc jockeys who ruled the New York dial in the 1960s, turned him off, however because the format seemed so artificial. Among the myriad air personalities on the New York dial, he warmed to talk show hosts Alex Bennett and Bob Grant. Although they broadcast, respectively, from the liberal and conservative ends of the political spectrum, both men mainly stood out because of their iconoclastic styles. When Howard's own radio show became enormously popular in the late 1980s, He often insisted that everyone else of consequence in radio was stealing his act, including Bennett, by that time working in San Francisco, and Grant. He was loath to acknowledge what the two veterans knew from their own encounters with Howard in his aspiring years 
that they had been major influences. So I'm going to first play a clip from Alex Bennett. According to YouTube, it says WPLJ New York, August 3rd, 1975. And this is in the middle of a conversation he's having with a caller. So just going to play a, like a 30 second snippet of it. Uh, they wanted me to come down and prove who I was. You know, Jim, well, I'll just come down with identification showing you're Alex Bennett. Well, I don't have identification saying I'm Alex Bennett. I have identification saying I'm Bennett Schwarzman. Crazy, yeah, because they could just uh, ring your phone, right? And, you know, you'd pick it up and you'd be there. With oh, well, they said, yeah, but they, they said, according to that person, you're going to be staying at the house. Oh, well. You know. So uh, I said, look, get out, you have the latest bill there? I said, I have the latest bill here. I'll start reading you any number or figure, backwards, forwards, or upside down that you want on that bill. And they still wouldn't do it. Finally, finally they, they, I, I just told them, look, you know, I mean, if you don't turn this on, it's going to be a lot of trouble. And we finally, they, they reluctantly turned my phone back on. And I, of course, that will never happen again because I told them uh, the only way that my phone will ever be turned off by me is if I come down to the phone company personally, show you my face and say, turn it off. Okay, so that's an example of Alex Bennett. Now I'm going to play an example of Bob Grant. And this one's a little rough, guys, because it gets a bit, you just hear it for yourself. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm calling. Um, I just turned on the radio, and I must say I'm kind of outraged here, Bob, uh, to hear you referring to um, American blacks as savages. How dare you? I dare very easily, because if they act like savages, you, I call them savages. You can't say they. Do you know that Europeans were barbarians? Ah, uh, here we go. So long, babe. Yes. <laughs> Please, oh, check. Hello, Benny. Benny from Queens. Hello. So, I mean, I'm, I can play a little more, but I think you guys get the get the. I mean, if this is Bob an Grant influence, would be canceled. Yeah, he, oh, he yeah. would. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And but you can tell the oratorical st style is directly lifted. Like that, that, that adversarial, because typical jocks would not really talk about politics. They might talk about whatever bullshit chit chat between records and stuff. Uh, but they might yeah, talk I could see his AM events. radio that he was on, so they might they would have been more likely yeah, to Jack have. Jack from Twitter would have none of that. Yeah, absolutely. No. Uh, here's the answer to your question. Genesis 28. Oh, I know what the you're going to say about about why people have children and replenish the uh, earth. I, in other words, every time, every time a sex has. In other a, words, uh, uh, whether he's on top or she's on top, they say. Let's read Genesis, multiply and replenish the earth. We are multiplying, we are replenishing the earth. Let me ask you something, Bob. Why do you think that was put in the Bible? Seriously, why did the... Okay, so I can play more, but it's really, I think I think you guys get the point, right? Yeah, um, yeah so that's, I think we can leave it at So there. being confrontational towards the callers. Yeah. You know, Howard worked at rock radio stations. They didn't have interactions with callers. The, the no. callers were recorded during commercial breaks basically if they yeah. ever had an interaction you know it'd be like uh, what's your favorite radio station that kind of thing yeah so uh this is definitely learned howard going and being combative towards his callers completely i find i find it just i, I mean I, I it's inflammatory obviously i find it just more fascinating the the exact like the the parallel uh bob grant his just his his vocal inflections even i mean howard the speed the delivery 
it, it's it's like he lifted he it, when we say he has a tutor for everything guys he also had radio tutors and these were two of them so well, like oh, yeah. i said when we get further along there'll be the grease man stuff there'll be the steve doll stuff there'll be the um jonathan brandmeyer stuff i mean there's loads of clips if we're if we find them and if anybody out there has uh Steve Dahl old clips, please get in touch with us because I'm trying with him and it's it's almost impossible to get the ones I'm looking for. Uh, does he not have a, a subscription service? He, he does. He does. And I don't know what, like if I get, go into there, am I going to hit pay dirt? I don't know. Like right. if I give him 10 bucks for the month, am I going to get just a selected thing? I've asked a Dan, yeah. I've asked Dan Filato and uh, who worked with Artie and worked with Steve Dahl back in the day. And he says it won't be able to, it, he says for some indecipherable message he sent me saying it can't happen because whatever. I think he, they just don't Filato. have access to it. He was on that Artie's mean- show and he, he knows Bill Murray. He's a Chicago guy. So there's just to end the chapter on page 27, um, the last paragraph, they said, close friends. Remember that Howard using the microphone on Jonathan Weiss's tape recorder said something into it like, I am stern master of the universe and ad libbed a routine. So I thought that was interesting because I thought that was like the NPD beginning to take hold or like that's just like a great <laughs> indication of his narcissistic personality disorder he also ripped off he-man it looks like um yeah. but uh he invented, so, he-man. <laughs> he invented he-man yeah perhaps mm. okay well guys thank you so much for tuning into this one we're not sure when the next one will be recorded but thank you ben for hanging loose in this one and yeah. sam as always god bless you my dear um thank you. and uh take care guys we love you stay safe I see. He, he was like a, a monster guitar. That's classic uh, Ozzy, too, when he comes in. Mr. Crowley! <laughs> <laughs> the video, he's like got the hands up. Yeah, 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 I'm the devil! I'll take your consoles from you! Don't you think... Mr. Crowley! <laughs> Don't you think Ozzy does that hands-up thing because he's got like sort of a Christ complex? Well, probably. Now I think it's the lift.